Hello, fellow homebrewers. JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brew Built X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brew Built Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full two inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brew Built line of options and add ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brew Built X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brew Built Conicals. You can trust Brew Built with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brew Built at morebeer.com. Craft brewers, beer lovers, beer drinkers. Get ready for an all-new experience in information exchange and beer culture. Your only source source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers from around the globe right to your home. You're not just listening to broadcasters. It's the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Welcome back to the studio uh, and your own home where you happen to be listening to us. It's the Brewing Network, and it's our live Sunday show once again. Woo-hoo. With us today, we have back in the studio, and we're grateful to have him, Jamil Zaina-Chef, joining Jay-Z. us once again. The most award-winning home brewer on the planet. Is that right? Yeah, he's up there. <laughs> <laughs> I think we established last time that he was. Like We were going he, through his awards, and it's unbelievably the guy. Are you going to be one of those guys, Jamil, who who uh, writes amazing books like later in your life uh, that that will just be passed on for generations about homebrewing, like Papazian type of books, a, t- a tell-all book? Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I started writing articles for uh, some of the magazines. I really enjoy that. I I was actually an English major in college. So. Okay, nice. So that's a good start for you. I might write the unauthorized biography of Jamil Zanishev, though. Yeah. So I can just, I can make up some dirt and, uh, just, I'll have my version and then you can have yours. Sounds good. (laughs) Both will push the other one to sell. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Because people want to know my story. I don't know why. Just because they'll want to know what kind of crap I make up. You'll market each other. Yeah. Yeah. It'll work. All right, so welcome to the show. We do have Jamil. He's going to be hanging out uh, the whole time. I know the uh, schedule said Moonlight Brewing, but we just had a scheduling conflict with them. Something came up, um, nothing malicious or anything else. Uh, they're rescheduled, I think, for late, late o- October. October yeah. Yeah. So they'll be back. So Moonlight Brewing will be in uh, late October, and we'll keep you up to date about that. And uh, i got to update our, our events page because we do have a few new guests coming in. Yes. Um, did you like that email I sent you? Yeah, I did, I, and I appreciate it too, actually. <laughs> yeah. Every little bit helps. You know. uh, John sends me uh, an email that just has this list of all the new people that he booked that I haven't put up. So I'll update the events page um, Tuesday. I think that's my next day off, which reminds me I had a, I had a bad day yesterday. What happened? Uh well, I started this new job, you know, and I, I'm not going to name the brewery. I said that last week. I, I wasn't sure why I didn't want to name the brewery last week. It's okay. Uh, uh, but this week I'm not going to. I know why, because all I'm going to do is bitch about this particular brewery. Uh, but, you know, I just, you know, sometimes jobs are, are just jobs, and you go to work and you don't want to be at work. And whenever I'm at a job, my job right now is is serving. I, I wait, I'm either bartending or, or waiting tables and and bartending isn't that bad. It's an okay gig. Um, 
waiting tables is bad. It's real bad. If you ever wonder why waiters get tips and why that whole system is in is in process and why they don't just get paid better and all that kind of stuff, it's because the job's real bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's why. I mean, that's ultimately the thing. And uh, and anyway, uh, those of you at home who who work for the weekend, you know, your weekend warriors, and, and you go to work to pay your bills, and then you know you live the rest of your life you sort of around that. And, uh, and and unfortunately, too many people have to do that. Uh, um, but it's kind of the way it is sometimes. It's definitely the way it is for me right now. But I go to work, and you do these jobs that that don't require much brain power, like like waiting tables and. So the whole time, my head is, is elsewhere, and particularly, it's my head's on the Brewing Network, and I'm thinking of all these ideas of what we can do to get better and how I can add content and, and all about the web page. And I'm doing all this as somebody's telling me their order. And And then, you know, either I'm forgetting what they told me or... Uh, maybe the kitchen is messing up their order. So, so yesterday, just the entire day, I, I ended up with a with a nine hour shift, which is which is ridiculous. That's... No, servers don't work nine hour shifts, and there's a reason for that too, because you just you're running back and forth, and 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 you have these little you have a lunch which lasts about three hours, and you have a dinner which lasts about four hours, you know, and that's it. Everything in between is is downtime and and side work and and prepping, you know. Right. And uh, so I'm there for nine hours because for some reason this particular brewery that I work at, it's and, and this is the alehouse division, has a Saturday shift where you go in at one o'clock, so you're there for the lunch, and you stay till nine o'clock, so you're there for the dinner. And uh, it's I, I don't know why I, you didn't know that I didn't know I saw one o'clock on the schedule. I just started there, right? Okay. So so I see one o'clock on the schedule, and I go, okay, great. I've got a lunch shift, which means I'll be home by four. That's yeah. great. I'll go in, you know, make a couple bucks, and I'll come home. Uh, not the case. So I'm there that whole time, and it's just one of those days where the whole day goes goes wrong. I mess up orders. The kitchen messes up my orders. I have people complain to the manager about me. I'm angry that I'm there for nine hours. I, got, I mean, just like thing after thing after thing, right? Uh, I have people, because the kitchen messed up one of their orders on, a, on like a $55 bill, they left me a dollar tip. Uh I had people wow. who, you know, the ones who complained to the manager that I, w- I was rude and unattentive uh, left me like a 23-cent tip. They paid their bill in cash and, and actually purposefully left 23 cents over uh, just to kind of like, you know, to, to throw it in my you're face right. kind of thing. Don't do that. Yeah. If, if, if you're at home and you're going out to dinner and take into account, li- listen, there are times that your server is just bad and maybe yeah. he's even a schmuck, yeah. uh, you know, him or her. That happens. It yeah. definitely does. Other times, though, maybe you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe you don't realize that the kitchen is the one who, who, who messed up your order. Whatever happens, try to keep it in mind and don't leave them 23 cents. Like, it was really all I could do to not go back to the table and say, here's your change. Arrogant bastard. You know, but I couldn't because they had already complained. It, the day was so bad that it's the first job, uh, it's the first time I've ever been at a job where I was about to, uh, I, I really just almost handed my checkbook to the manager and said, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, it, it's not going to work out. And just walked out on the spot. I'm always a very, I, I'm pretty thankful for what I have and jobs that I've been given and people who do it. And You're and pretty I, patient with bullshit, too. I'm so. patient with that kind of stuff. Yeah. And and I'm uh, any job I've ever left, I give full notice. I mean, I'm even more than a two-week notice guy. I'm kind of like a, how long do you need me? Because I, I got to get out of here and I'll do what you need me to finish up. But this was the first time that I really almost, you know, after getting lectured by a manager on duty who's younger than I am wow. about, like, points of service and all this stuff, I just, uh, that was about the last straw. Yeah. So, 
The good news about this entire story, though, is that I came home and I and I decided, you know, that's it. And I'm pretty much – it's looking like I might be quitting all my jobs and uh, and working full-time on the Brewing Network, make it or break it. <laughs> John. <laughs> so I might be moving in with you because of that because I couldn't afford rent or something. Yeah. But uh, it's at – because I realized it, what a waste of time. And I'm there, and, I, and I'm worried about all my, my petty problems about not liking yeah. my job. And all these people I'm serving are worried about their problems like, like they had too much Thousand Island on their hamburger. <laughs> uh, and meanwhile, there's, there's people in our country are, right yeah. now that, uh, I mean, thousands and thousands of people who have been displaced yeah. and don't have a home to live in yeah. and have no prospect uh, or, or end in sight of, of finding a job or a bed to sleep in or clean clothes to put on. And, and here I am worrying about my thing and, and the people I'm serving are worried about their thing. And I'm realizing. The problem about this area. Yeah, you it's know. that well, and, and Too I much think money. I think know. any well-off area, you, yeah. you you end up with that sort of thing. You know, their their BMW wasn't running properly. Uh, yeah. Nothing against people with BMWs. I'm not saying that. The point is, it's easy for all of us to forget what's important and and what's not important and what's trivial and uh and it's easy for us to get caught up in in these small things that we get caught up in yeah. and and after. Being caught up in that all day long, I came home and I sat here in the studio and I was I was doing some research and some work for today's show. I just went, you know, I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to do that anymore. And I'm not going to go to a job that that makes me have to dwell on those things. And I'm not going to deal with people who can't get out of their little space long enough to real. I mean, this I'm talking yesterday here. So. these people are are out just and they're and some of them are young people and some of them are older people and they're just out having the time of their lives and 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 complaining about these small things and literally their fellow countrymen are scrambling and 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 kind of clinging to life yeah. a lot of them mm-hmm. and uh and it's all right good point point of the story is uh, i i'm i'm going to focus on what's important and and right now what i think is important at, at least for for us and for the brewing network is to develop content and and spend more time on this so i'm not going to do a job that sucks the life out of me and keeps me from adding to the brewing network so i'm going to go back to work and i'm going to give it another go and see if my new sort of outlook can can allow me to to you know do do the do the force field around me and not let that get to me build rhino skin yeah but if it doesn't work i'm out of there and I'm and Daniela, you're paying the rent. <laughs> I'm gonna sit awesome. at home and work on the Brewing Network 24/7. Good. So uh, could mean good things for the Brewing Network and uh, bad things for my for my bank account. I could barbecue for you sometime. That'd or? be cool. If if you want to hey. send your leftovers, yeah. I'd appreciate awesome. that. Even those of you at home, hey, even if you're in Arkansas or or, or Connecticut, put it in a little like tin foil. It'll make the trip and send it. <laughs> put it in the mail. I'll eat it. <laughs> because I'm going to be starving by, in a couple of weeks if that's the way if that's the way things go. Yeah. It's it's work for Colin. <laughs> he only does stuff that he enjoys doing. That's right, uh, Colin Kaminsky, who was yeah, in here two weeks ago, I think. Uh, that's right. He said, and and he had this the same moment one day where he came home from work and he said, "I'm not doing it anymore, and I'm never going to do a job I don't enjoy." And it has worked for him. Yeah. But he also admitted that for a good six months or so, he was sleeping on somebody's couch and kind of, you know, just barely getting by until he found something that could do it. But you're a smart guy, so I have faith in you. Yeah, but sometimes the problem with 
See, sometimes that works to my detriment because it keeps me from being able to do these menial jobs that I do because yeah. I feel because my brain just keeps working. Instead of like I, I sometimes wish I could just act back. stupid all day. If I could just walk around the alehouse and act stupid like like some of the other servers I work with and, yeah. and just do that, I'd probably be a much happier person. But I have trouble doing that, so I'm just, my wheels are turning all the time, which is what ends up making me miserable at a menial job, you know. Uh but I, I like Colin's approach, and it and has worked for him, and, and I think it's worked for others. I, I think it's failed for others. You should quit your job others. next week go to Cal Brewfest. I'm out of town anyway. Oh, that's right. I'm yeah, out I of forgot town. about that. Class reunion. Class reunion. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Which I could announce now. I'll, I'll do it again at the end of the show. No show next week. For the first time since our air date on um, June 5th, yeah. we will not be doing a Sunday show next week. I apologize for that. What I will try to do... I got a lot of things to do this week, but I'm really gonna, I'm gonna try. I think I can do it. I'm gonna put together a greatest hits. And you guys all have the, the archives anyway. If you don't, go to the archives section, you can download them. But I might try to compile a two hour, or maybe even a three hour show of, uh, some of our best moments over the past couple months of shows, and run that on Sunday. So, uh, if anything, that will be there. Um, otherwise, uh, no show next Sunday. Uh, we apologize. Uh, I'm out of town. I can't avoid it. And uh, we didn't have a guest anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, we couldn't. Uh, we had a bunch of conflicts with scheduling, and uh, I think we just need a need a one week break. And we're going to come back fresh and new. Yes. So uh, look forward to the week after that. Um, well, three months straight is pretty intense. So we did a good job. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, I don't mind going. Like, it's not no. Sunday's not a chore for me at all. But this one, I just can't avoid. I, I'm not in town, and there's no way I can be in town. So. Uh, well, hopefully, I'll go to the Cal Brewers Fest. That will that will help. Yeah. And uh, so, if anybody else is going to the Cal Brewers Fest, look for John and his Brewing Network T-shirt and uh, chat him up. Maybe he'll give you some. Something. 120 breweries. Really? Yeah. It's in Sacramento, right? Sacramento, yeah. Okay, Sacramento, California. Look for John there. Yeah. Jimmy, you you're in. Where do you live? Just yeah. south of Sacramento, Elk, okay. Elk Grove. Elk Grove, that's right. Are you going to go up to that fest, you think? Uh, I might. You might check it out? Yeah. It's a I, lot of beers. I've, I've been there in the past. It's a great festival. Okay. And, uh, uh, you know, if, if I get a chance, I'll, I'll definitely be there. Okay. Just we'll them down with John. Brewing Network show. Where do they do that? Right on the, uh, like the fairgrounds up there? Or do you know where it is, John? Convention I have no Center? Idea. Not Cal, sure. Cal Brewers is, um, it's usually at uh, Cesar Chavez, but they've been moving it around. I think it, it might be might be back at Cesar Chavez. Okay. Is it? I don't know. I, don't know. Hmm. I still have to get approval from my boss. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so I'm awaiting the email. I like how you forward me. John John sometimes forwards me the emails <laughs> that he sends to other people that, well, have, you, that, that you, don't have anything to do with me. You kind of mother me sometimes. It's, it's really cute and everything, you know. <laughs> but I figure this will just kind of eliminate the question. Right. It's yeah. just my, like, checking up on you. Right. You know? It's funny because he, the email was at him asking his boss if he could have the day off. And he forwarded it to me. No explanation like, hey, Justin, look at this. I did ask for the day off. He just sends a copy of the thing to me. And I'm like, sure, you can have the day off. I don't care. <laughs> you know? What, do you want me to call him for you? I like it, though. I think it's funny. Yeah, right on. It was funny. Um, okay, let me finish up this uh, uh, you know, just uh, thing about uh, the rest of our country and, and Louisiana in particular, because it does pertain to the show, and it, pretend, it pertains to some of our users. I was looking through our forum, and we've got a few members from Louisiana and, and from the surrounding areas uh, and states. Uh, one of them uh, is from Baton Rouge. Actually, I think is an EMT out of Baton Rouge, and I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what he's doing now and, and how he's doing and, and what kind of... Uh, uh, hard work he's got going on, actually. And uh, I, I just uh, I did a, li- a small posting on the forum. Um, I don't know that we're in a position to to uh, 
I don't know. I don't know what the Brewing Network can do. I just want to make the point that our heart goes out to not only our, user, our users, but everyone. But, but in particular, I just was looking through um, our particular members who have been active on our forum. And uh, our heart goes out to you. And uh, I, I'm deeply regretful of, of what's happening, not only uh, with the natural disaster, but uh, you know, some of the response or lack thereof afterward. And uh, we're thinking about you. And if there's any, I don't know what the Brewing Network can do, but if, if you do know, um, uh, tell us. Send me an email. Give us a posting. I don't know. One of the first things I thought when I was on my way home thinking about quitting my job was that maybe I should just then, since I won't have a job, head out that way to do some help. And then I realized I'd probably go broke on the way and end up in the same shelters everyone else is in, and, and I wouldn't be much help. I'd be more of a burden. Yeah. Um, but I would, I, I just, my, my heart goes out, and uh, I just, you know, let me mention just a couple of the names of the people. I don't know if any of you know them personally or, or talk to them in the forum. All I have is their forum names. Um, Smurf, or Smurfy, he's one of them. He's the one out of Baton Rouge. I looked at his, uh, he has a, um, uh, a web address on on his profile, and it's a EMT webpage. So I, I'm assuming he might, you know, work with the EMTs out there. And another one is um, A Hammy A Hammy 79 uh, from New Roads, Louisiana. I'm not familiar with Louisiana and, and where that might be, but um, our our best wishes out to those two. Uh, there's lots of undescript um, members who who don't say where they're from, and I'm not sure if we have more or not. But I, I definitely picked out those two and. Um, uh, you know, probably aren't listening, but that doesn't matter. I, I just wish you all, wish you all the best, and uh, you know, keep us updated. Let us know you're okay, and 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 let us know what we can do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there you go. Uh, heart out to Louisiana, and uh, it's sort of in honor. What we're going to do for today's show is every time we take a break today, I'm playing all blues music, and most of it is going to be Louisiana artists, uh, Louisiana blues, uh, New Orleans artists. You know, nice. people who who really sort of, uh, you know. Like made blues what it is today. They created the style. They we're thankful to them for doing it. So uh, I'm going to play a bunch of that today. Every time we take a break, it's all blues, and and most of it will be New Orleans artists. Uh, I only had access to so many. I've got six or seven of them. I'll play their tunes, and and maybe I'll I'll just throw in some others who were obviously influenced by the New Orleans blues scene and. Um, that's kind of going to be one of the themes of today's show. So if you're wondering why we're playing all that, that's the reason. Uh, uh, a tribute as best as we can do. All right? Everybody okay with that? Yes. All right. Uh, Dr. Scott is not with us again this week, but I think for better reasons than, than last week, he's supposed to be at Burning Man right now. I think he's coming back today or tomorrow. He is? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he said he'd give us a call. Although I'm, I'm pretty positive he's not going to remember. He's going to be. He doesn't know what day it is. Yeah, exactly. He's going to, he's so wrecked at Burning Man right now, like lighting things on fire and, uh, probably consuming illegal substances. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Scott's a, a funny man when he cuts loose and, yeah. uh, we hope he's having a good time. He deserves it after the week he had before that. And, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see him in two weeks when we come back. Right. Unless he calls us today and then we can get an update. So. That'd be an interesting phone call. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really hope he does because that's burning fun. the man. <laughs> yeah, we're doing it right now. Uh, so that would be fun. Okay, and then the last thing on this little intro I want to get to is I want an update on Daniela's beer. If you tuned in last week, you know that she brewed her first beat, uh, batch last uh, Saturday night, right? Mm-hmm. And. Um, I'd like to know how it's going since then. You, you should have been fermenting for a good week now. Yeah, I've been fermenting for a week now. I think it's going quite well, actually, but I don't want to jinx myself, of course. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. And what have you done to control your fermentation? Keep What's it happening? cool. Keep it cool, dude. What's the temperature been? Between 62 and 65. 
consistently? Yeah, absolutely. I've done a great job on that. How often do you check it? Like four times a day. Yeah? Yeah. What do you? How are you fermenting it right now? How are you doing it to keep it cold? It's in a bucket, in mm-hmm. a garbage bucket filled with cold water, and I throw ice cubes in it. So you got your, your carboy inside the bucket, Yeah. and you just add ice cubes every time you need yeah. to? Yeah. All right. It's good, huh? It's good. It's a good idea. So what are you thinking with it now? What's your next move? Well, um, Jamil advised me to have it in there for at least another six days, and then I should be fine. Okay. So then I'm going to put it in a keg and drink it. You're going to keg it up? Yeah. You're going to have to bottle some of it before we drink it all. Because we'll see. Uh, you're going to be sending it into the uh, Queen of Beer competition. We'll see how it comes out. I'm not going to send in like pe- beer that is not perfect. So we'll see. <laughs> I think it's going to come out well. I, so far, you've Don't done everything. Don't jinx me. I'm, I'm not, I'll knock on wood. Thank you. But so far, you've done everything right. As long as it remains sanitary, I know. your fermentation temperature sounds like it's been great. We yeah. talked about your gravities last week, yeah. and they were uh, all very... Right. Very good. Yeah. So, what are you so worried about? I don't know. I just want it to be really good. I'm uh-huh. very excited about it still. Okay. So, I can't wait to brew the next beer, actually. All right. So, what's your good. What do you got in mind for your next beer? Hellas. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. <laughs> that's a tough one. <laughs> I know, but that's what I like, so I have <laughs> to get on that eventually. You want to compete against John's Hellas? Absolutely. Think you can brew a better one? <laughs> no, because to be quite honest, I have to admit, John's Hellas is really, really delicious. Yeah. It's very good beer, and yeah. I'm from Bavaria, and I only drink Hellas, and I've been drinking Hellas since I was 15 years old, or oh, maybe 14. Okay. And he has definitely brewed a very, very good Hellas. Yeah. yeah. It's true. One first in the country. You can do better. Thank you, Jimmy. <laughs> I think so, too, to be quite honest. Where's the mic? Yeah, he wants his microphone back now. <laughs> yeah, so that's the update. So I'll let you know in two weeks and how it came out. Okay. Thank you, Daniel. You're welcome. All right. Keep an eye on that chat room for us. Uh, if you have questions for Jamil for the show, today's official topic, <laughs> we're going to be discussing uh, Jamil's fermentation process in particular, which is uh, not necessarily an odd fermentation process, but just a great example of, of how you can you know properly I'm, ferment your beer. How to do right from a home brewer level. Yeah. You know. So we'll be discussing that uh, just a bit later, not too much longer. I got a few things to get to. We might take a break first, and then we're, we're going to get right into that. And uh, so send your questions. I have a couple of pre-questions for you, Jamil, that the forum gave to me. Um, not too many. I think that uh, people were pretty preoccupied this week, so I didn't get as many as usual. But um, got a couple for you. So we'll get that fermentation discussion going. Um, before that, as usual, I got some news for you, and then I got a new uh, a, a new little segment I, I might do each week. I don't know. I yet. like this little uh, top fifteen. Going. I got a little list. Lots of people have lists. Did you write right? this list? Um, no, but I did collaborate with the. I, I sort of found the list. I do lots of, of research on the web and, yeah. and go looking for things, and then I modify them to my own purposes. So right I will not claim authorship, um, but it's but it's a list anyway, and I think. Oh, every good show has a list. So why not us, right? Yes. Uh, Internet's so, free info, man. That's right. So I'll try to give you a... I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not... We'll see how today's goes. If today's goes well, we'll consider having a list each week. It goes bad, it's your fault. Yeah, it's pretty much always my fault. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, here we go. Uh, the first thing is that a, a newspaper admitted yesterday that doctored photographs of Pope Benedict, which it had published last week's uh, issue of the weekly newspaper, were insulting and offensive to its Catholic readers. And uh, basically what this newspaper Why? had done was, uh, you know, the, the the Pope went to Germany. And, Danielle, as I understand, this is the first time the Pope's been, uh, a Pope has been in Germany in, in I don't know how long, years, right? 
Well, no, that's not true. That's not very accurate. It's the first time that we have a German pope right. in like really centuries. Okay. But uh, the pope usually visits Germany oh, frequently, every okay. like five or ten years. But this time it was very special because he went there for like a youth day. And it was like German the International pope. Youth Day, and he's a German pope, which is great, actually. And now, I'm what are you telling us well, here? Well, th- they took a, th- basically what this newspaper d- in their s- and I'm defending the newspaper all through this article. By the way, I'm going to have you all know right now. Uh, in their satire page, which is where you know you do things that are satirical. I know what uh, satire means. <laughs> thank you, though. A, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, thank uh, you. They took a they 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 took a picture of the Pope where he was uh, you know giving the the sacramental devotion or I don't know what it's called oh exactly. Oh my gosh, you're such an antichrist. But I'm not at all. <laughs> I come from a Catholic family. <laughs> that doesn't mean shit. You've developed quite uh, weird. No, I, I just I just don't know what it's called. All right, uh, but he, you know he's got the uh, the goblet of wine in one hand and in another picture he's got the body of Christ in the other which yes. is like this little tasty wafer it's not tasty um, oh. that's why a beer and a pretzel <laughs> instead you know that's you know what I'm talking about so oh, you guys are Germany so for God's sake in the oh article that's what they did they replaced the goblet with a beer and the and the body of Christ with a pretzel are you serious because <laughs> he was in Germany which is and and anyway uh, the, the the following day they had to post an apology on their on their front page I'll well, go on with the story. Yeah, um, but it's and it's good because we're talking about the f- the Pope, you know. Come on, <gasps> you think the Pope doesn't have a sense of humor? He Maybe exactly. he does. He's actually a quite funny well, guy. Well, then he probably Pope, read, Pope he, likes beer too. He's a, he actually he is Bavarian, so he likes beer go. too. And I would imagine that he didn't have any uproar over the thing. He probably saw it and laughed. But but <laughs> certain Catholics are very uh, you know touchy about about their oh, yeah. Pope. Me, and, for uh, example. <laughs> so uh, in a page one apology, the director and management of the Dairy News described the doctored photographs as an insult to Catholics. The photographs in the August 25th edition of the Dairy News were included in the newspaper's satirical newshound column. They showed one doctored photograph of Pope Benedict XVI holding a glass of beer in his hand instead of a chalice of wine during the consecration at a mass in Cologne, Germany. In the second photograph, the host in the Pope's hands was replaced by a pretzel. The Newshound column did not appear in yesterday's edition, but a front-page apology admitted that the conver- uh, controversial photographs had caused great offense to readers. They are quoted as saying, To publish these photographs was a highly regrettable error that should never have happened, and their publication was an insult to Catholics, Who'd both clerical and laity. Uh, I don't know. I just think there probably was a Catholic uh, I'm uproar. Catholic. They didn't ask me. Yeah, but American Catholics aren't quite as uh, as devout as European Catholics, uh, you know, so we don't okay. care. That's true. Uh, the directors and management of the Dairy News tender their deepest apologies for the offense cost, is what their, is what their apology stated. And I'm just here to say, that's funny. Lighten it, it, up, it it's funny. funny. <laughs> you know? It's funny. No one's making fun of the Pope. Yeah. That's a funny picture. Yeah. Pope goes to Germany, he has a beer. Come on, and a pretzel. That's funny. I think it's funny. And if I'm the funny police, I'm saying it's funny. <laughs> so there's no need to. She don't think it's funny. <laughs> yeah, Danielle doesn't think it's funny. Look, Danny, when's the last time you went to church, Catholic girl? Uh, probably just as modern as most Catholic girls in our country. Last time I went to church was when I was back in Europe, actually. Mm-hmm. A couple of months ago, because I can't go to the you church here in America. In there is no holy places here. I think you're lying. You did not go the last time <laughs> I went in Europe. How? Oh my gosh, how would I ever be lying about when I go to church? Because you're just kind of that way. <laughs> you didn't go to church. Wait, there are holy places here. Yeah, what do you mean? What do you no mean no holy places? Yeah, like Anchor Bruin, <laughs> yeah. uh, Sierra Nevada, Russian River. Yeah, Russian River. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
this garage. See? All right. So there you go. Uh, I think it's funny. Okay. Uh, I love these ones. I try to get these stories in as, as often as possible where people get in fights and start stabbing each other over beer. This particular person stabbed his father over beer. Um, a Macon man, I, I forgot to find out where that is, uh, is charged with aggravated assault, accused of stabbing his father after an argument about beer, according to a police report. Cedric Davis, 28, is accused of using a pocket knife to stab his father in the side Tuesday afternoon. Fred Davis said, uh, so the guy lived, uh, he said that they had argued with his son Cedric Davis because Cedric was drinking his beer, the report stated. How old is this guy? <laughs> 28, the, the son is. I don't know how old the dad is. That's 20 years of aggression right there. <laughs> hey, I'd have stabbed him, too, if he was <laughs> drinking my beer. Uh, Cedric Davis was drinking his beer, the report stated. So Fred Davis told police that his son later grabbed him, punched him in the face, and stabbed him, the oh report gosh. stated. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. I just they were both funny. drunk off their mind, too, <laughs> yeah. you know? And dad was pissed that his son was drinking his beer. His son got mad that he yelled at him for it, so <laughs> son stabbed him. <laughs> Thing is, I got a lot of anger toward my parents too, and I'm just hoping that it never comes to that. I don't want to be stabbing no. anybody. That's why you live three thousand miles away. That's why I don't own any weapons because I just I tend to be an angry person occasionally. Like most of the time, I'm very hippie like, and uh, you know uh, I'm relaxed. But there, I just have these moments where I'm really I'm just angry. I just want to stab stuff. And uh, you need one a of the punching bag. One of the things that could trigger is my dad yelling at me about beer. You know, <laughs> so I'm just. Just saying. This is a, a homebrew. <laughs> but if the police ever question you about any of that, you didn't hear anything, okay? Don't send your dad your homebrew for a while then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then finally, I want to talk about this homebrew ban in Utah. And after reading this article, homebrewing is illegal in Utah. It's illegal. Um, there are homebrew shops in, in Utah, some very uh, successful ones according to this, this. article. Uh, you're allowed to sell the paraphernalia to make homebrew, much like uh, you can sell, like, you know, drug paraphernalia, pipes and whatnot. It, you just call it something else, and it's not illegal until you put it into that use which breaks the law. And in Utah, you're allowed to sell all the, excuse me, ingredients and products, but as soon as you start homebrewing, now you're breaking the law. So Salt Lake City, this particular article is is announcing, wants to restate the law just to make it known so people don't forget that it's illegal to homebrew. And there's a couple interesting things in the article. Uh, I'll read the beginning to give a, a summary and then just kind of pick through some of the funny statements I, I saw from the mayor and whatnot. Uh, because the state of Utah has not legalized homebrewing, one city is drafting a ban to make it clear homebrewing is illegal. We haven't had it. This is a quote from them. We haven't had any problems with homebrewing in our city, but under state law, it is illegal, and we just wanted to make that clear," said South Lake City Attorney David Carlson. The state legislator last considered legalizing homebrewing, as most of the nation has, seven years ago, but the effort died in committee. Uh, under state law, nothing precludes the sale of homebrewing and winemaking equipment," said Earl Dorius, regulator director of Utah's Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control. But once the equipment is put to use, there's a technical violation of the law. We don't have a good answer for you if you want to do home production. 
So, in fact, many stores in Utah sell homebrewing equipment and supplies. Uh, one store says our business is thriving. Jamie Burnham, manager of the Beer Nut, which has been open for more than a decade. More and more people have become interested in the hobby. You can't buy what you can make, and the creative nature of what you can brew at home is what intrigues people. Now, that particular statement uh, reminded me again of how spoiled we tend to be in our area here yeah. in, in, in Northern California because they state, you know, in places like Utah, you know, where they live in, and, and a lot of other places in the country, you can't buy great beer like we like to brew. Whereas here, if you want to brew a style of beer, you can easily go out and buy that style and kind of, you know, see what you want to do and, and taste a few things, you know. But sure. these people are brewing to live, if you ask me, because, right. you know, it's either that or crap, right? <laughs> so uh, I just thought that was interesting that you can't find it, and that's why a lot of people brew there. Uh, yeah, there's still five states that uh, it's illegal to homebrew in, in in the United States. Right. And, uh, you know... If you care about your home brewing and if you care about the beer you have access to, join the AHA because okay. they spend, uh, they actually have lobbyists that protect the rights of home brewers, protect the rights of craft brewers, and, uh, try and get you more access to, to high quality beer and, uh, and to home brewing. Okay. So everybody, everybody listening should join. If they join don't, the AHA. They're not protecting their own rights. That's true, and that and and it's a good point that there's power in numbers like that because sure. because the more members they have, the more they can afford to lobby, and lobbying is really how things get done in our country right. uh, and in many countries. But uh, in the U.S. in particular, if you don't, you know, when you're talking about laws like that and overturning things in particular right. pff, without lobbyists, you, for, you can forget it. Yeah. So uh, good point, Jamil. Join the AHA. Yeah. Uh, what well, else do they say? Well, you think like five states. They don't want you to homebrew, but all the rest, it's okay. It's okay. I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah, I know. I think Missouri's another one of them, and I. But I don't know the other three. Um, Salt Lake City officials say they merely want to rework their ordinance uh, to mirror state law. It's not something South, South Salt Lake City intends to police. Carlson, the city attorney, said there's no plan to hunt for people who are homebrewing. However, Mayor Wes Losser didn't sound as amiable. Now this is funny. He says. I don't care what people do in their own homes as long as it doesn't spill out into the public, he said. But if there were problems related to homebrewing, such as people going blind or a small riot breaking out, we have to think in extremes to cover all the bases. Now, is this not the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard a mayor say in your life? Yeah, that's scary that he's the mayor. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. He's like, if, over homebrewing, if yeah. you're going blind or starting riots, yeah. then we're going to do something about it. Okay, well, don't hold your breath for that to happen. I wonder if religion has anything to do with like the influence <laughs> over homebrewing. I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say either way. Blind but, riot, uh, another homebrew club, or or band, or both. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, the the article concludes, and I like that they do. As a matter of fact, going blind isn't a threat to homebrewers. A home distiller who fails to separate methanol from ethanol while making spirits, uh, they have gone blind, and some have even died. Right. But you're talking about an entirely different thing. And home distilling. I think is illegal in California as well, and and Isn't all over the country. All fifty states. It is yeah. all fifty. Okay, there you go. Uh, I just think you know that to make a statement about a law that has to do with with something like homebrewing that you have no idea about as a mayor. Yeah. Just keep your mouth shut. Then, yeah. like, don't say anything. He's gonna have a radio show making fun of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, uh, what's his name? Mayor West Losser. You're an idiot. There you yeah, go. There you and go. you're my idiot of the day. Yeah. So that's another thing I should do each week. I should have an idiot of the week. We should send him a homebrew kit. Should I post it on the homepage? Should I put the idiot of the week up there? Yeah. <laughs> pick pick him wisely. Yeah. Uh, that's red flag right there. We should send him a homebrew kit, though. You're we right, should. John. 
funny. That would be funny. <laughs> Just a little sticker that says "Don't go blind." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dot com. <laughs> All right. Let me do my new uh, my new list. If it works out, we'll do some more of them, and then we'll take a short break. I'll play some blues for you. We'll come back. We'll get into fermentation. That sound good? Let's do it. All right. This is the top, and and you'll you'll understand why I chose this topic. The top fifteen reasons to allow drinking at work. Okay. Uh, I, for one, I didn't put this on the list, but I'm going to add it right now. My number one reason is that my day yesterday wouldn't have been so bad <laughs> if I was allowed to drink at work. My my customers never would have been neglected. They would have gotten excellent and happy service. I would have smiled the whole time. and uh, I every, already feel blessed. Everyone would have been happier. You get, See, John gets to drink at work. Yeah. Uh, if you call bad, this bad work customer, what we're doing go now. Go to the alehouse and have a pint and call it even yeah. for good. Yeah. But you actually, I've gone to the to the to homebrew shop to to B three. Mm-hmm. I gone there. You, I know you've done this too, Jamil. You're there at like two in the afternoon, right? And and they got employees coming out going, "Hey, John, can I get one of your beers from the back?" It's about five in at, the evening. I don't know about that. We, we run a strict <laughs> alcohol control. Okay, John, job. I'll, I'll let you have that. Uh, but everyone, yeah, two <laughs> two o'clock sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and I'm just going, man. And you people call this work. Yeah. <laughs> But here you go, the top 15 reasons to allow drinking at work. Uh, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go from 1 to 15, because everyone else goes, like, backwards. They go from 15 to number 1. I'm going to do 1 to 15. I like that. Why not? Because you're different. I don't think that they're <laughs> in, like, like order of, of value. No. So there you go. So number 1, it's an incentive to show up. <laughs> no which, shit. Which I agree. Uh, Especially if you're underpaid. Number 2, it reduces stress. My point about yesterday. Number three, it leads to more honest communications, which, as as many of you who work with with several people or or even just work with idiots, yeah. communication can be difficult. It can. <laughs> so, uh, honest communication yeah. may what, or may not help. <laughs> you've got a front, you know, and yeah. alcohol, you know, takes away that front, and you're relaxed. Right. Number four, it reduces complaints about low pay. So, for you managers out there, you know. More people are. If you could have a pint a day when you go to work, you're set. You're not complaining about, about minimum wage. Minimum wage, yeah. Uh, number five, it cuts down on time off because you can go to work with a hangover. Well, you know, which is also true because you get a little hair of the dog when you get there. There you go. Number six, employees tell management what they think, not what management wants to hear. Which again, <laughs> if if you're a realistic management personnel, not one of these like management by the book guys, you really should know what people actually think, not what you want to hear. And so that would help. Uh, number seven, it helps saves on heating costs in the winter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, number eight, it encourages carpooling, hopefully. Number nine, increases job satisfaction because if you have a bad job, you don't care. <laughs> Which yeah, Now this I agree with. Again, I would last a lot longer at my current job just because of that. Yeah. I wouldn't care. I'd get free beer. Which, by the way, is the only good thing that's happened out of my job. I got two cases of free beer for the for the weekend. That's Ooh. nice. Okay, I saw those. The nice. beer out there. Cool. Um, number 10, it eliminates vacations because people would rather come to work. <laughs> uh, it, it makes fellow employees look better, which is certainly true at Beer, Beer, and More Beer, John. Yeah, thanks. Just, just to let you I know. I appreciate it. Definitely needed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Number 12, it makes the cafeteria food taste better. Number 13, bosses are more likely to hand out raises when they're wasted. Very true. You've all been to those Christmas yeah, parties. I worked Dr. Scott over when he was drunk. <laughs> you I have. Got, I got a free dental retainer for Anna. <laughs> you know those Christmas company Christmas parties where boss is like, you know, yeah. you're my favorite employee. Yeah, you get old and drunk. He was like, hey, can I have this bottle of wine? You know, it's like yeah. 10 years old. Sure. You know. <laughs> nice. Number 14, salary negotiations are a lot more profitable. 
And finally, <laughs> number 15, if someone does something stupid on the job, it'll be quickly forgotten, <laughs> which uh, I definitely appreciate. I do a lot of stupid things. Yes. So there you go, the first official list. What do you think? Should we bring it back next week? I like it. You like it? Yeah, Jamil, how'd you like sweet. it? He'll listen to the archive, and he said it's so-so. Yeah. <laughs> All right, there you go. We're going to take a, a quick break. I'm going to play some blues for you in the name of uh, of what's going on in Louisiana and, and elsewhere. And uh, we'll come back, and we'll start the fermentation discussion. Sound good, everybody? All right. The Brewing Network. This is um, Lightning Slim, right Light, out of Louisiana. Lightning Slim. Slim. Yeah, here we go. Look like bad luck and trouble is trying to follow me. You're listening to three guys with one microphone and five gallons of beer. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. That, was, All right. that has some hip-hop flow. Which one? That uh, little ID we did there? It's good stuff. Yes, nice. so there's a little Louisiana blues for you. Uh, who are all the That's artists? You guys want to know the artists? Yeah, please. Just, let's, let's announce them. So the first one... Um, who did I say we had? Lightning Slim, of course. After that, we had Guitar Slim. Did I only play two? I think I just did two. You're Justin Slim. Yeah, Lightning Slim and Guitar Slim. I think after that, we're going to be playing a little Professor Longhair, some Slim Harpo, some Buddy Guy. I got some Little Walter. I got some Louis Armstrong. You got to do that, Louis yeah, Armstrong, right? Yeah. Uh, and then maybe I'm going to do some Irma Thomas, yeah. who is... A bit of a different style, but she's straight up Louisiana blues. So maybe we do some Irma Thomas cool. later. So there you go. A little tribute What's to, up with uh, the word slim? Uh, yeah, that's kind of odd. I've been to New Orleans, and slim doesn't seem, you know, the right Jamil's no? descriptor there. Not a lot of slims? Jamil's slim. Slim Jamil. <laughs> I, I think it's that, that thing like, uh, you know... A tiny when something's yeah, really big. When someone's big, yeah. exactly. You got the slim. You know what I like about the about the blues names is compared to say the modern names that like you know we get in hip hop and rap and and even in country and different things. Those names suck. Yeah, they're they're do. they're not they're not clever. They're not fun. They're not funny. Right? No, they're <laughs> they're not. funny. Like you know you know J Lo, Dougie Fresh, <laughs> P Diddy, Piffity Poofy, right? Ice something or other. Yeah, it's not sound like a bunch of white kids. <laughs> what I mean is, if they're just not cool. They're not funny. Like like Guitar Slim. That's funny. You know he's a big fat guy with a guitar, right? <laughs> <laughs> guitar Slim is great. You know, uh, Big Daddy Bones. That's a woman. With a mustache. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's a good, it's a good name. Big Daddy <laughs> So, there you go. That's my little take well, on blues names. That was awesome. <laughs> and I like them. Okay. So I know I said we were going to get right to the fermentation talk, but I got something good to do just before. And it's not me blabbering on, so that's why it's good. We'll um, we got some listener beer to taste. Good. Uh, you know, we love it when listeners send in their homebrew. And uh, Lufa, I don't know if you're out there. Uh, you got him in the chat room there? Does he know we're going to taste his beer? Is he, He's okay with it, right? Because he sent it. Well, he sent it to the Brewing Network, but one bottle in particular, and, and this bottle is Daniela's. So it's it's uh, it's her choice of, of what she wants to do with it. Listen to what this guy did. For, Lufa's been cool to us uh, uh, to the beginning, like lots of our listeners as well. But, but 
I've talked about him before. I like him because he got the funny picture next to him in the forum, and he just looks like a cool guy. And, yeah. and he's always been cool and, and saying nice things to us. And, and he sent us his beer, which was was awesome. And he sent it in thanks for all the archives that we put up. So, uh, hey, you're welcome. Thank you for sending us your beer. Um, so I'm going to read. I don't, I don't know if I can read the whole letter, but, but here's what's important. Um, I'm not sure how good it will taste with this much age on it, but I'm sending my first, the last bottle of my first batch of homebrew to Daniela for some inspiration to get her first homebrew done. Wow, that's heavy. He sent his last bottle of his first, first homebrew. How long has it been brewing? Um, I'm not sure. You, you, right in the chat room there, Lufa, how long have you been brewing? Yeah, Lufa, how long have you been brewing? And I just want to say thank you and that I really, really appreciate that. You know me, it made me cry again. <laughs> so that was really very cute and very nice. She did. She got all uh, choked up. It says, the other bottle is the last bottle of my first batch. I'm not sure how good it will taste, uh, but I'm sending it along for Daniela. So there A you go. A year. He oaked 18 this months. Beer. A year, yeah. A year, 18 months. I think he oaked this beer. Yeah. This one. What, now that's not the one you're tasting. Oh. The one you're tasting isn't his first uh, batch. Uh, that one's Daniela's. So oh, we, we don't taste that one. That one's in the fridge, and she can do with it as she wishes. You know what's cool about it? He's got it. Um, uh, you know that wax uh, cover you can do, like on a bottle of Maker's Mark, yeah. or that they used to do on letters. He's got that over the bottle cap. It's all waxed, which I just think is a nice touch. Yeah, and it's not nice. probably no purpose to it, but it looks real cool. Yeah, <laughs> so he's got the wax. Keeps it clean. And anyway, what we're drinking here is his vanilla bourbon porter. Mm. It's his VBP. So, um, and and then he also sent it, right? Does it say VBP on the bottle cap, John? It does, yeah. Because he sent us another one, P.O.B., which is his pissed-off braggot. And I think that one's in the fridge. So maybe we'll get to that one later on. Um, but he says, thanks for all the great work. If there's anything you can do to help, let him know. And, I like and, this beer a lot. And Lufa, this is helping. Mm-hmm. You, so let me, you're, you're, you've tasted it. You're drinking it. Mm-hmm. This is the vanilla porter. It's got vanilla like a smoked... Porter. Yeah, know, it's, 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 got a, it's it. got a good a good uh, bourbon character and a good vanilla character, and that's that's well balanced. You can smell it right away. Um, yeah. the, the the and there's some some higher alcohols in there. Uh, might be mm. fermentation related, might be uh, just the bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, do you think it was in a bourbon barrel? Uh, maybe, or they might have just added some bourbon. Uh, I was going to ask that. So you can just add bourbon, there. right? Oh, sure. There's a lot really? of people add bourbon. There's even oak extract you can add. Huh. Uh, yeah. And that's that's oak. Yeah. I mean, they they make it from soaking oak cubes and uh, alcohol. You know what um, I like is that is that he did the vanilla because I've had a bourbon batch, right? And and to me, that's just it's just too bourbony. Mm-hmm. But the vanilla smooths out that and mm. even with the uh, I, I do know the high alcohol you're talking about again at least the vanilla smooths that out mm. so you don't get it it's still a, a lot like a beer rather than than like a like a, a barley wine or, mm. or a, a really high gravity you know um, you'll you'll get a lot of vanilla out of oak itself if you uh, have an oak barrel and you put your your beer in there you'll get a lot of vanilla out of it o- oak itself contributes a, a significant vanilla character Lufa, um, how'd you get the oak and the van- and, and the vanilla? If you can put that in the chat room there for us, I'd like to know. The the only uh, detractor I'd say on this is that um, the body's kind of thin and it's uh, highly carbonated, and I'm wondering, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe it's continued to ferment in the bottle or something, or uh, mm. yeah, you know, there might be some other uh, you know wild yeast or something in there that's continuing to ferment in the bottle, depending on on how well it was done. Uh, yeah. Could the higher alcohols cover that up? 
from the uh, bourbon? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if it had gone in a barrel, you know, the barrel will, you know, harbor some bugs if you're not really, really careful. So, mm-hmm. uh, and so that, that's the only thing. I think it's a little overcarbonated, a little, little thin for, you know, what would be ideal. But I uh, agree in with general, the body. Quite, quite good, you know. How, uh, how would you correct the, the body part? Because it is a little thin. What, what kind of things could you do to make it? Well, it depends on how how it was made in the first place. I'm I'm guessing he's got some some good uh, character malts in there, and that in and of itself should have provided enough body mm-hmm. in a beer like this. You, you just can't ferment out the that caramel and crystal and all that stuff. Okay. But um, so I'm thinking, but you know that stuff will get fermented by wild yeast or bacteria, and you know it's it's got a a cloudiness to it, and uh, you know the high carbonation, which makes me think of uh, wild yeast. Okay. But, uh, yeah, that may not be the case. He says here that he added vanilla beans and then added bourbon at bottling. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if that, if, if the actual adding bourbon at bottling would have thinned out the body right there. Depends on how much. You know, in a five-gallon keg, you don't need to add a lot of bourbon. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it's it's got some, you can really yeah. get that, that bourbon alcohol. Mm. So, Especially it when it warms up. Quite a bit. Um, but Set then us, you got higher carbonation, too, so... You know, the carbonation, you know, if it was carbonated in the bottle and it should have been normal and it comes out higher, yeah, then you got something in there that's eating the non-fermentable sugars and starches. Mm. And that, and then you end up with a thinner body and you end up with uh, high carbonation. Okay. it's I love the flavor. Yeah, very good. I really very like good. the flavor. Yeah. Uh, just if you could, Lufa, uh, send in the chat room there, the I'd like to know the percent, the ABV on it. Mm-hmm. Just and curious. Again, and again, kudos for, for sending it in, having the uh, the yeah. stones to, you know, send your beer out to be talked about in front of everybody. And, you know, I'm being as critical as I can about this, you know, like I would in a competition. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's the only uh, real negatives I can I can pick up. In case you don't know, if, if you're a first-time listener or just if you're not familiar with Jamil, he is a, a certified um, national national a BJCP judge. So he does do this when he when he tastes them in competitions. And um, well, once you swirl out a little bit of the gas out of this and let it warm up a little bit, yeah, quite nice. Did you do that? And it's getting yeah. a little better. Getting a little is, better. You got Lufa on the phone. Oh, cool. All right, let's pick him up. Hang on a sec. He's gonna yell at me. <laughs> Go for Shut it. up, jerk. <laughs> Go ahead, uh, <laughs> Lufa. Are you there? Yeah. Hey, Travis, right? Yeah. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for sending us your beer. Yeah, thank you. Oh, yeah. Hey, no problem. I think that was very cool of you. And uh, thanks for putting that funny picture of yourself in the forum. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's cool. I, I got to put one of those on myself up just because I think it's you got to have a little smile it's with like a beer. The beer, like, you know? Yeah. That's great. <laughs> All right, so tell us yeah. about your beer, if you would. Okay, hang on. I'm lagging. Let me shut the sound off on my computer. Oh, okay. yeah, that's what you got to do. Uh, the vanilla bourbon porters, I mean, it was a first-time experiment. That's like a uh, recipe I picked up off the net, and then I upped the vanilla and upped the bourbon a little bit because my wife wanted that beer that was real vanilla Okay. So okay. it was just something I was playing with, and that's like that's the first time I brewed that recipe. So Does yeah. the recipe have I a lot like of it. sugar in it or simple uh, sugar? Like uh, cane sugar or honey or anything like that? No. No, not really. Just uh, pretty standard uh, high gravity bourbon, or not bourbon, but uh, porter. Okay. And then, uh, you know, on the high end of the bur or the porters, and then uh, just the vanilla added into secondary, and then the bourbon at uh, 
at bottling. I think I, I think I put too much uh, sugar in when I bottled. Oh, okay. Being overcarbonated. Yeah, it needs needs a little more body and less carbonation, and you got you okay. got yourself a nice winner there. Is this extract? No, it was, oh. an, it was all grain. It was all grain. Hmm. Gotcha. What was your grain bill? Uh, I'm looking right now. Twelve pounds of uh, Turo, two and a half pounds Munich, a uh, pound and a half brown malt, a pound of uh, let's see, Crystal 120. Half pound of crystal, forty and a half pound chocolate. Okay, There's a lot of crystal in that. Yeah, yeah it, it, that should leave a lot of sweetness and body. And we're not getting that. So, hmm. um, how old is the beer? Um, three months. Hmm. Not old. Not old at all. Is it? Mm-mm. Hmm. Uh, what's your mash temp? One fifty four. Really? I like Travis. By the way, answers these questions just like I would. Like, oh, come on. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm about half drunk, and I'm trying to look through stuff on the computer. So. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. I have all my stuff there too. I'd be doing the same thing, man. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> One fifty four. Is that it? What do you think about that, Jamil? That's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I, the recipe sounds good. The mash temp sounds good. All that sounds good. I, so that it's thinning out and and gaining carbonation. Um, you know, I don't wonder if there isn't something in there, and it's and it's cloudy, and uh, I'm just wondering if there's uh, a wild yeast going. Is this okay. counter pressure so, filled or uh, but, uh, corn sugar? You know, it really doesn't taste that way. It's just body carbonation and, and cloudiness that makes me think that. And based on the recipe, you should have a, a much bigger mouthfeel from this. It should be sweeter and and uh, quite quite thick at 154. And what's the starting gravity? Uh, 182. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, you, you should have a, a, a bigger finish. Uh, I mean, you used, what, California ale yeast? I'm sorry? Yeast? What yeast did you use? Um, California ale. 1056. Yeah, yeah California 1056. ale. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, it, it seems real clean from that, and, uh, but that won't ferment more than, you know, 70 some odd percent, so you should have a, a really chewy beer at this point, especially with a 154 mash temp, so. You know, there's something going on there, but uh, you know, at this point, it's still still quite nice, especially once a little bit of the carbonation leaves. Hmm. You know, nice beer. You we know, got uh, more of it too. I'm going to drink some more, more later in the show. Yeah, those are like hey, six bottles in there. Travis, are you one of those? I don't remember. I remember seeing you in the in the forum uh, posting about this stuff. Are you one of the glass guys or the plastic guys in your fermenter? Um, I re- I do both. Actually, you do both. Okay, depending on what I have open and available. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> That's actually a great answer. More beer, <laughs> whatever's there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I tend to do the buckets more with the beers and and save the glass for like meads. I've been starting a lot of meads and ciders and stuff, and using my glass more for the longer term stuff. Okay, gotcha. You want to give him something for that? That's a good idea, Jamil. Hey, um, we've got a couple of things to give away that Jamil brought in. Isn't that not okay. what a cool guy, Jamil? Uh, didn't even like necessarily work in the beer industry. He still brought cool stuff to give away. Yeah. Um. I got some White Labs gift certificate to send you. You can get some free yeast. Is that cool? cool. Uh, I think, yeah. let's see, what is it? This coupon entitles you to a free vial of White Labs pitchable yeast. So, 
There you go. That saves you, what, five, six bucks, right? Just mail into your yeah, outstanding. All right, cool. So we'll send that to you, Travis, just for sending us your beer. We yeah, appreciate you, you that. you deserve it. You know, good good brewing, good beer. Good and, experimentation. And I like that it's a, just a different kind of a, yeah. of a beer. And, I, and like I was saying before you called, Travis, I really like the vanilla and not just doing a bourbon beer because uh, it, it, it smooths it out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, yeah. when you try that brag, it let me uh, let me know what you think. Yeah, cause it's got kind of a medicine-y taste to it. I have no idea because I've never drank a brag. Okay. I don't even know what a brag it is. Half meat, half beer. Yeah. Oh, that's what it is? Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, if you're going to hang out, then maybe call back. We're going to try it a little bit later in the show. Um, All right. So if you're still there, call us back, and we'll talk about that one because Jamil might be able to pick out, uh, John as well, might be able to pick out what's wrong with that if you get a medicine thing in there. Cool. So, all right. Thanks for the call and thanks right. for the beer. We'll talk to you a bit later. Thanks. Okay. See ya. Bye. All right. Travis, that's cool. There you go. Sending some beer. Yeah, that's. I think awesome. it's a good beer. Okay. I like it. So that there is for Travis, and we'll get him some yeast, and um, we got a couple other things to give away, which we're going to do later. Mm-hmm. Um, don't get all crazy with your stump the brewer questions yet. I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to throw a twist at you later. It's okay. not going to be a normal stump the brewer. I'm not going to give it away just yet, but. Uh, you don't necessarily need to prepare your great questions for Jamil because we're gonna we're gonna throw in a twist. Yes. So there you go. Okay. I had one thing planned, but but let's hold off on that and let's just get into this fermentation discussion. It's getting a little later yeah. in the show, and um, we need to use up Jamil while he's here because he's got some good stuff. He's full of info. So what John and I were talking about, and, and Jamil had talked to John about it before that, um, is that uh, you know fermentation being. Um, Possibly the most important part of brewing a a, a, a beer at home. Um, most people say the most important part mm-hmm. uh, who are brewing great beers. Um, Jamil, uh, just by the quality of his beers that that I've had um, and that John has had, and then with his with his record of, of winning competition. Um, Obviously has a great fermentation process. So what we thought we'd do is get him in here to talk specifically about what he does when he's, you know, from beginning to end about fermenting a beer and that entire process and maybe some little tricks of the trade in there and use that as an example of how to properly ferment your beer. And I, for one, suck at this part of the process. It, uh, I'll tell you this, uh, and I've said that before. The batch that I'm brewing right now, and and maybe we can use mine as another example of of what to and not to do as we're talking about yours, is the first time that I think I've gotten close to properly fermenting a beer, where I've really controlled the temperature, I've done the prop, I did a yeast starter, I've I've used some yeast nutrients, I've really done a few things in there to try to get it right this time, and I've brewed probably ten batches. This is the first time I've paid that much attention to fermentation. So so I'm particularly happy to have this discussion, and uh, you know why don't we? I, I'm not sure where. Exactly Exactly, you want to start your meal, but uh, let's just get rolling with that. You know your process of fermenting. Sounds good. Do you do a a yeast starter at all? In if you're to first sale, if you're going to replicate your yeast down the line, right? Do you do a starter? And if so, yeah, how big? Y- you and I uh, talked about this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, quite a bit. And you know, a lot of people do starters. And one of the things Chris White goes on and on about is the yeast they send out from White Labs in those vials is prepped. And ready to really, uh, you know, go. It's, it's yeast at the optimal health. It's, it's, uh, you know, as, as perfect as you're gonna get yeast ready to, ready to brew. And they do that so you can just toss it into the, into the carboy. And what a lot of people are doing is, they, they say, well, the cell count isn't quite high enough to brew a, a batch of beer properly. I'm gonna make a starter. Everybody tells me make a starter. And they'll throw that into, uh, you know, a pint or a liter of, of wort. And they'll let that ferment out completely, 
and they'll let that sit for a couple of days, and then they take that yeast and they 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 toss it in their beer. Now, do you want to do that, or is that and what you're doing? There is you're you're stressing your yeast. The amount of cells in a white labs tube is not going to get the the proper cycle and nutrients that it needs out of a liter of wort. Okay. If you ferment that out, all you're doing is depleting the glycogen reserves of the yeast. It's not. It's not really going to be set up to to brew right after that. Now, you're actually weakening your yeast. You're weakening your yeast from okay. what White Lab sends you, or why yeast for that matter as well. Um, if you deplete the glycogen reserves of the yeast, what does that do to your yeast when you pitch it? It, it, it hurts in replication. Uh, you know, it, it it uses those glycogen reserves in order to uh, uh, divide and create more yeast cells. Okay. So. Um, you know, one of the things uh, is is pitching rate. So you have to go back to uh, you want you want to pitch enough yeast to properly ferment your wort. You want to pitch enough uh, viable yeast. Okay, uh, all the yeast that you see in a package isn't 100% viable. It's very close in a White Labs or a Y yeast package, mm-hmm. um, but not 100%. What you want to pitch is one million cells per milliliter of wort per degree Plato. Okay. okay. So what what does that mean to me? Yeah, because I'm not going to do that calculation every time I pitch. So, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. So in five gallons of wort at 12 degrees Plato, uh-huh. which is 1048, okay. you want about uh, 240 billion yeast cells in there. Wow. Okay. Already active yeast cells. Right. Okay. Healthy, ready-to-go yeast cells. That's 240 billion. Okay, a tube of white labs has between 30 and 50 uh, billion cells. Okay. So, uh, you know, if if the average tube has 40 billion cells, you need six of those tubes to properly ferment a five-gallon batch of 1048 wort. Wow. Okay. So it's about uh, 20 billion cells per degree Plato in a five-gallon batch. So if you got a five-gallon batch and it's 1048, you need 240 billion. If it's 1052, you need 260 billion. Hmm. You know, okay, so an easy number to remember, 20 billion per degree Plato, which is about four points of, uh, so five billion per degree of original gravity. Okay. Okay. And, uh, if you're doing, uh, Y yeast activator packs, even their biggest one is about a hundred billion cells. You need two, two and a half of those to properly ferment a five gallon batch of beer. If you didn't do a starter. Right. Now, if you do a starter, you need to make sure you're doing a big enough starter. If you just put, uh, a white, uh, white labs tube or a white yeast pack into a little bit of wort, um, and you're going to ferment it all the way out, you need to make it big enough. So for white labs, uh, going into a two, you want to go into like a two liter, uh, wort. And, uh, you know, if you ferment that out, you should end up with about 240 billion cells is okay. the idea. Okay. And that would be enough to, uh, to, to pitch into your five gallon batch. Okay. If you're doing loggers, one and a half to two times these numbers. Okay. Okay. So wow. um, the loggers really, really require that. Um, the now the trick that John and I uh, were talking about uh, that I came up with a while ago was the better thing to do if you're if you're not going to do this is to uh, I'll start out at the beginning of the day and uh, first thing in the morning before I brew I'll pitch my tube of White Labs into a a uh, couple of liters of wort or, you know, two two tubes. Depends on what you got. Does the original gravity of your starter play a role 
Yes. So you, you pitch that into the, the, the starter, mm-hmm. let it get active, and so you go off on your brew day, and by the time you're ready to pitch, you've got a real active uh, culture of yeast cells. And yeah. It's, it's starting, to, uh, starting to ferment, and that's what you pitch in. All right. Now let me dumb this down for a second, because especially because of your gravity of the thing, uh, of your starter you're talking about here, John. I'm semi-lackluster about doing my starter. Uh, because my understanding of the process was to get the yeast multiplying and active and working uh, right. and doing their job and then to pitch that, right? Pitch, pitch so, a while is doing that, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So what I mean by semi-lackluster is that, is that what I'm doing right. to make the wort that, that, that I'm gonna start my yeast in, right, is I'm using DME, mm-hmm. right, and I'm, I'm using about, uh, I think I'm using about a quarter ounce of, of DME. Quarter pound. Quarter pound. Thousand mils, roughly. Okay, right. You're right. Quarter pound, and I'm throwing that into my into my my little pot on the stove, and I'm boiling it for 15 minutes to get it, uh, you know, to get it all going, and then I'm just I'm pouring it in and into my uh, Erlenmeyer flask and, until I get up to 900 milliliters. I put it down to 900 instead of the thousand because I've had so, I've had it overflow before, mm-hmm. and sometimes I'm left with a little with a little wort left in in my my little pot because I didn't measure the water exactly, and because I don't know how much is going to boil off in the 15 minutes. Does that matter? Uh, you see what I mean? Because I'm leaving a little bit of the DME behind, and, and I'm just yeah, getting it to 900 milliliters. Yeah, or is that good enough? It's it's probably good enough. Okay. Um, you know, ideal if you're doing yeast propagation, um, you you need to be in the uh, 1020 to 1040 range of uh, starter. Yeah, you know, some people say 1035, 1020 to 1035, um, and you know, going to a to a uh, a uh, higher sugar concentration can be stressful. So if you're going into yeah, if you're going into propagation, um, you know you can you know, propagation. You give it uh, one of the shows you mentioned having a watery tasting, low alcohol. If you give oxygen to to yeast continuously throughout a ferment, they don't produce alcohol. They produce water. Right. You know, essentially, and and you end up okay. uh, and. Uh, you know, but what you're doing sounds about right. You okay. know, if 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 you can do that, um, you're you're way ahead of the game. If you just take okay. a tube and toss it in, that'll work. You're much better off making a starter every time. Okay. And starters are just as easy as you're saying. You can take an Erlenmeyer flask, you can put it on the stove because those things are borosilicate glass. Oh, I was going to ask you that. Too. Good, good. Just yeah. put it right on the stove. Okay. Put your water in there. Put it right on the stove. Put your DME. Just shake it up. You don't have to boil it in a separate container or anything or a okay. pot. Just put the flask right on the stove. Put a piece of foil loosely on the top. Boil it up. You can do it the night before and just let it sit overnight. If you if you don't move the foil, it'll it'll be sanitary the next morning as well. Okay, okay. Toss to your do. toss your yeast in in the morning. Go off to do your brewing at the end of your brewing session, which is you know five hours or you know it depends on what you're doing. Um, you know it's ready to go. Pour that in. Right. Uh, you know that's that's a a vast. Uh, site better than what a lot of people are doing right okay. there. That can get you into the, the metal round right there. Okay. Good. Because I didn't want, you know, like I said, I didn't. I don't want to worry about whether my, my wort's exactly at 1020. I'm not going to measure it. I'm going to do it just like I said. I'm going to put the, the DME in there. I'm going to boil it. I'm going to put the yeast in it when it cools well, down. you want it to be fun. You don't want to, you know, yeah. suffer all day long. Yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> I'm I, I not got, a scientist. I've got a microscope <laughs> and, a, and a, you know, a sterile, uh, you know, uh, uh, glove bag. And, you know, I, I, right. I, I've got an environment for, for doing yeast culturing and right. all this stuff. But, 
you know, that's not a lot of fun unless you're into that sort of thing. Yeah, which people you know, are. But, yeah. yeah, you know, you can just pour water and DME into an Erlenmeyer, put a piece of yeah. foil on it, and set mm. it on your stove for 15 minutes, and then, you know, pour the tube in and, you know, go brew. Right. That's not a lot of extra work okay. in order to get, uh, you know, a hundredfold better beer. Now, do I need to shock that thing down to temperature, or can I just leave it sitting until it gets down to what seventy-five degrees or so, and then pitch? Yeah, that's yeah, fine. That's I don't fine. need to. Sh- I don't need to put it in in ice or no, anything no, else. No. Okay. You're not worried about the break on uh, at that point. It's it's such a small volume compared to the overall. Okay. So, do you boil your start of the night before pitch or yeast the morning of? Oh, no, no. You're talking about what, what's easy and what I do. Um, <laughs> I, I I brew uh, five gallons of starter wort. Um, from all grain and uh, proper nutrients and a little bit of hopping, about seven IBUs of hopping, and then I, I uh, chill it down to get the cold break out, and then I put it into uh, uh, the ball uh, uh, canning jars, mm-hmm. and I put it in a, a canner, and I uh, pressure cook it at uh, two, 250 degrees for about 30 minutes. So it's sterile. Wow. And I make up a couple of cases of uh, sterile starter wort, and uh, the great thing about it is it sits there, I mean, you know, I can make it once a year. Yeah. And I just unscrew the lid, flame the, the opening, and I pour it into the container. It's ready to go. I got gotcha. you. Wow. So it's just, <laughs> it's a little easier for me because it's ready to go anytime I want. And sometimes yeah. I'll brew at the drop of a hat. Yeah. You know, I got some time between meetings and I'll just decide to brew. Go for it, yeah. So, you know, it's just a little faster. But, you know, I think what you're doing, mm-hmm. uh, you're getting pretty much the same result. Okay. Now, I'll tell you this uh, about this last starter that I did uh, with the with the batch that I'm doing right now. I had that starter going within five hours. I actually did the starter just before I started my brew. There you I go. Did the starter yeah. just before, got it going, set it aside. Uh, I, I, did, I did cool it down quickly, put it in ice to cool it down because I wanted to get the yeast in there faster because of, of my time constraint. I knew I was going to be brewing right away. Did it. Uh, cooled it down, pitched my yeast, and then started my brew process, right? And by the time I was done and ready to pitch, that starter was going already. It was already bubbling. It, yep. Maybe it wasn't at its peak, you know. Uh, that, but it's, you know, it's right where you want it to be. And, oh, okay. And you get that in there, and, you know, it, it says, oh, lots of sugars, and, you know, it keeps replicating, and that's okay. where you want to be. So there you, you go. So you don't necessarily point. have to set aside the night before Ooh. or even the morning of. Just do it, you know, just before you start your brew process, do your starter instead. And then go for it. If you got, if you're short on time, you could do that. And then as long as, and you can tell if it's working. There's no, uh, I mean, even I could tell. There's no yep. signs about it. If it's bubbling and moving, right, and it's it gets re- real cloudy, and yeah. you know that's the yeast replicating. Okay, yeah. all right, good, I'm good, on, Jay. Should all be right. good beer. Yeah. Okay, so let's go on then from your from your yeast starter. Now you're done with your wort. What, um, what about sanitary? How do you keep your everything clean? You have a you have a great starter. Right. Now you're introducing it to your ferment your wort. Right. Um, how do you keep things clean and how do you pour it you in? Know, how, I mean, and that's one of the things I worry about a lot is sanitation. That's you know just just critical and it's, and it's one of the reasons I brew more in the winter than I do in the summer. Hmm. There's less wild yeast floating around. You know, I brew outside. Okay. You pitch and, outside too? Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things about sanitation is you, you, you just can't do too much for sanitation. Uh, every step of the way, you're adding more bugs into your beer. Mm. It's just a fact of life. Um, you know, nobody brews a sterile beer. Nobody in the world. Um, you know, a couple of things I do is I have a, uh, uh, ultra low particle air filter that, 
use for, you know, like yeast propagation and stuff. But I've done just fine working in, you know, a kitchen, which is really not that great because there's a lot of yeasts and stuff floating around the kitchen and, and bacteria. Especially in mine, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's worse than the, the, the bathrooms in most homes. Um, My kitchen? Uh, no, uh, <laughs> yeah. well, that's, that's worse than most public, uh, yeah. <laughs> now, um, but, yeah. but, uh, in most homes, the kitchen is worse than the bathroom okay. as far as uh, bacteria goes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, you can spray down the counter with alcohol, wipe mm-hmm. it off with a towel, uh, you know, shut off any air conditioner, things that are moving the air, mm-hmm. you know, as long as the air's still, there's, there's dust constantly falling out of the air everywhere you're at. Um, you know, work quickly, you know, Get your word in there, get your yeast in there, close it up. Okay. Um, you know, and, and you can do a pretty darn good job. And if you're doing starters and you're making lots of healthy yeast and you're, you're using proper nutrients and you're, you know, you're, you're fermenting right, what, what'll happen is you're going to out compete those, those bugs. The right. bugs are still in there and they will finish off all the leftover starches and sugars and stuff okay. over time. But, you know, you can, you can out compete them in the main part and that's that's what's important so that's your main flavor healthy easy yeah. suppressed potential off flavor right you get enough alcohol in there the ph drops low enough then you know like lactobacillus won't go below a certain ph and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and alcohol and hops will will stun a lot of those things mm-hmm. listener um, wants to know what you use to sanitize what's your sanitizer of choice uh, I use both. Uh, well, I use heat for for sterilization because I actually sterilize things in a, in a little autoclave. Okay. And then, um, but you know that's not necessary. Um, but if you're doing starters, you know, boil them on the stove with a piece of foil on the top. That's sanitary. Okay. Yeah, that's a heat sanitization. If uh, if I'm doing kegs, I sanitize my kegs with star sand. Okay. Uh, which I find. To, to be very good. Uh, beer lines I do with uh, the uh, Santa Clean, which is the uh, uh, non-foaming star sand. Okay. Are from, from the same company. Uh, and then uh, for carboys and things like that, I use iodophore. Okay. You which use, is uh, the form, which is the iodine <laughs> right. one. Okay. So I, I do not use bleach of any kind anyway. Okay. Now, why don't you just use the star sand on a carboy? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it foams a lot and yeah, yeah. getting out of carboy, it's a lot of bubbles and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, right, yeah. uh, you know, if you, when I fill my kegs, I see a sheen across the top from the star sand. Yeah. And if you can see a sheen, any sheen is going to kill head. Okay. So, uh, what do you mean it's sheen? It's a, like, like, like a, like a, like a rainbow effect on yeah. top of the, right. the liquid. Like gasoline on the ground when it yeah, rains. Exactly. It's exactly. the same thing on a body. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. And, yeah. uh, and I've had discussions about star sand with John before. And John's talked to the star sand guys too about mm. the safety of it. But I love star sand, but. But you're right. And I've wondered about that too because I can see it on my, I've put, I've put beer in my carboy full of suds. I mean, I've dumped mm-hmm. out the star sand, mm-hmm. although I've put beer in there where it's full <laughs> of star sand, too. Yeah. But you know what I mean. So I dump out the star sand, and I've got, you know, a good quarter of the bottom is suds, and, yep. I'll, and I'll put my beer in, and the suds will generally go away. Yep. But you're right. I got that film on top that looks like the Exxon Valdez yeah, spill. Exactly. Okay. And that, that worries me a little bit. But, you know, star sand is a, a very good product. And it, it's nice that it, that it kills a lot of things. And I, I do use it in all my kegs, and that's how I use it. In the carboys, I'm using iodine for one because it's, you know, it's cheap and it's easy. And the, the biggest problem people have with sanitizers, all the sanitizers on the market are very good. Okay. And they all work quite well. 
the the problem people have with sanitizers is people dump in based on color. They base they dump in based on clarity. They dump in based on you know who knows what. You yeah. know, they're measure your sanitizer. Measure how much you're mixing. You know, you should have volume measurements on all your containers. Yeah. You should have, you know, yeah. and know, okay, for five gallons of liquid, I need, you know, how much uh, sanitizer. And using the appropriate amount, you don't want to use too much iota four or too much star sand. You don't want to use too little. Too much is as bad as too little. Okay. You know, you're, you're going to taste it if, if you, if you go to the extreme. Right. And this, you know, it's, it, it, and in some cases it'll actually, uh, like uh, alcohol, Alcohol 100% does not sanitize anything. Uh, Alcohol at 70% is a great sanitizer. Really? Interesting. Does that sterilize or? It needs, it needs, it needs the, the water to denature the proteins. Okay. So, um, but it, it, it will, you're not sterilizing unless you get things over a certain temperature. Okay. I don't think sterilization can be had with any chemical means. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, but, uh, it can be had with, uh, heat. Okay. With that, I have a question. How about a pressure cooker? Yeah, pressure cooker. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what you, is that yes. what you're referring to when you yeah. say, okay, you're using a pressure, pressure cooker? Pressure cooker is an autoclave. Okay, same, same thing. thing. So you um, can use that to sterilize. Yes. A uh, couple questions about um, starters. And I think the first question that's ever come through for me. <laughs> I think it's actually the first question in three months of shows that anyone ever cared what the hell I had to say about it. <laughs> I'm going to cry now. Okay. Uh, the violin? That's awesome. That is awesome. Um, I'm going to fill my beer. But I'll ask Jamil's question first. <laughs> <laughs> He's filling his. I'll ask mine first then, I guess. So they want to know what size Erlenmeyer flask I use and how much water do I add to the quarter pound of DME. Now, this is. I'm glad you asked that question because that's why I asked Jamil whether or not uh, what I was doing is appropriate. I used a thousand milliliter flask. Correct me on that, John. Right? I'm using a thousand milliliter. Okay. I use a thousand milliliter flask, um, and I don't. What I kind of do is I'll pour that because well, now that I know I can just boil the flask itself right on the stove. What I think I'm going to do next time is fill it up just above a thousand milliliters, boil it because that's going to go down to about nine hundred, I'm assuming, yeah. and end up with a nine hundred milliliter pitch, which is what I like to have. Um, what I've done in the past is I'll I'll, I'll fill up my Erlenmeyer flask to over a thousand, then I pour it into a pot and I boil it there with my DME and I pour it back and just hope that I get nine hundred milliliters out of it is what I've done. And what a couple of times I've had a little bit more, a couple of times I've had a little bit less, and it's and, and that's why I was asking Jamil about it. It sounds like that's okay. As long as I'm close to my nine hundred milliliters and I'm getting an active yeast started, you can that'll be fine. You don't need to use the larger Erlenmeyer flasks unless you need a larger pitch, which would be for a bigger boil, like a 10-gallon batch. Right. Mm. What ideally, about gravity? Ideally, you should be doing a 2-liter starter. 2 liters, even in a 5-gallon? Five 5 gallons, a 12-plato work. That's what, half gallon? That's with, a Coke bottle. With Yeah, with uh, with a... Uh, the one two of white labs you want a uh, you know for a 1048 wort you want two liter starter well what about i did t- i do two tubes of white labs in my 900 milliliter starter not yeah. enough wort um not enough wort but you know so two so 900 the, the, milliliter the, starters the re- yeah, ideal the the reality is okay. everybody's under pitching you know people talk about over pitching but they're they're dreaming if they think they're over pitching okay um but you know what you're doing is far better than 95% of home brewers. Okay. You're going to make 
beer better than 95% of homebrewers right there. Just by starting with that. Yes. Well, because I've gone to John's and I've seen his two 900 milliliter Erlenmeyer sitting out there, but I just assumed, well, heck, he's doing 10 gallons, so uh, that's why he's doing there. two of them. Right. But, but you're saying I could do two of them as well, and yeah. I'd probably be more accurate of a pitch? Yeah, the, 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 the thing that people worry about in starters and pitching the whole starter in there is they worry about... Uh, you know, uh, you know, thinning out the wort or affecting the flavor of their beer. With a liter, you put a liter into 25 liters or 20 some odd liters of, of beer, you're not going to taste it if it's, if it's, you know, somewhat in the range. But if you, you know, when you start getting up to like four liters, you know, a gallon for uh, a lager, and it's, you know, you're, you're doing like a Doppelbach or a, you know, a dark lager and you got some light DME thing and, yeah, I can understand how people worry. So you might ferment that out completely, chill it, decant the liquid, and, and pitch just the yeast. Um, yeah. You know, but you need to do, uh, you know, so you need to, if if you're gonna ferment it all the way out, you need to provide the yeast an environment that will uh, allow it to go full cycle, build its glycogen reserves, has all the proper nutrients. And then, uh, you know, uh, you can go ahead and, and, and chill it down, do a full fermentation. Hmm. Let it go long enough. Don't let it, you know, oh, overnight, and then I'm going to chill it down because you, you, you're screwing up your yeast. Let it go, you know, all the way. If you're doing something like that, a bigger wort, a gallon of wort, let it go for a week, you know, chill it down, get the yeast off of it, then build to your, you know. You want uh, a 10 to 1 replication, uh, you know, size-wise uh, on, on your starters to start with. And then when you get to your what you're going to pitch to make beer, you want a, a 5 to 1. Hmm. Okay. Size difference. So for you know a five gallon, you know ideally you want a gallon. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay. You know that that's when you're. What about gravity realize, of the well, beer that's that you're why brewing? Re- repitching is so important. Gravity makes a big big difference. It's one of the reasons I got into uh, low gravity beers like Scottish uh, sixty shillings and uh, milds and ordinary bitters. Yeah. Is that that's a perfect starter opportunity, right? So uh, you can make a, a two liter starter. And pitch it into a ten thirty wort of you know five gallons of mild, hmm. and it'll properly ferment that, and you'll end up with a really nice mild. The yeast off of that is is uh, you know ideal for pitching two separate you know ten fifty worts. Right. And the yeast off of that is good for four other you know worts. You can you can you can repitch and you can get uh, great yeast off of that. How do you so, repitch your yeast? Repitching. Um, for me, I try and simplify everything I can, and I try and put my, all my effort into the things that really matter. So when it comes time to to, to repitch, uh, first off, I don't do secondaries. Secondaries, I think, is ales or lagers, both. Both. Okay. There's, there's there's no no advantage there, and there's I got there's questions negatives. for you from the chat room about that. Um, and I, you know, I've I've gone over it on the forums and stuff, but um. When you so what I'll do is I'll I'll, I'll brew my my beer, uh, let it ferment out, and then I'll swirl the slurry that's there with, the, and I'll put that into a sterile, uh, truly sterile, uh, Nalgene bottle, hmm. um, and you know I'll let the you know I'll let the the yeast separate. Sometimes I will mix that with sterile water, which I also make in the the pressure cooker, or you can use something like Budweiser, which is you're pretty much sterile mm. and uh use that to to clean out your yeast and you know separate it from the tube there's a yeast for it it's awesome and yeah. then uh um you know but you can get uh you know a good pitchable amount of yeast out of that but you know again be as sterile as you can 
Hmm. You know, keep keep everything clean. L- all right, let me break us up there from the. I think we're going to move on from yeast here in a minute, but I got a few questions to get to because we want to get to the fermentation too. Uh, first, I just want to I just want to say that uh, we are here with Jamil Zainashev, in case you're just tuning in, and uh, both Jamil and John, by the way, are featured in this month's edition of Zymergy Magazine because of the National Homebrew Competition. So pick up a copy of Zymergy. Uh, you'll see a picture of both of their ugly mugs uh, <laughs> on there with their medals and having one batch, uh, one one you know first places and second places and. What third places, and yeah. I don't even know what else. I will say John has become a really great brewer. Yeah, he's good yeah. beer. He, he started out crappy, but he's really gotten good. <laughs> he's, exactly. he's paid attention. Yeah, I went to the grind. <laughs> he's paid attention. He's put a lot of effort into it, and he's really become good. And the other thing I want to say before I forget is, um, I I had some problems with Y yeast at, at one time from a bad supplier, not Y yeast themselves. Y yeast makes a great product. Yeah. If you're using white yeast, continue to use white yeast. Great product. If you're using white labs, continue to use white labs. Great, great product. product. Okay. Both of them are run by you know homebrewer interested people that really care about the homebrewers and and the probrewers, and you can't go wrong either way. They're okay. both fantastic. All right, and then uh, I just want to announce that my moment of glory is over. The chat room is right back to asking their normal questions of me, which is Justin, when are you finally going to stop bringing it weak and start brewing all grain? So these are back to the questions I usually get. Beer Beer Morver is going to uh, build you a B3500 out here. What do you mean you hear? Who said that? I tell you, you don't need to go all grain. You said that? See, I'm not positive I need to go all grain either. Fermentation is far. You can beat the snot out of anybody in competition (laughs) with extract if you ferment properly. But I'm not going to say no to a sculpture, am I? No. (laughs) All all grain's fun. What's that rumor, John? Uh, Talk to Olin. You know, I mean, it's been arranged and. That's, is it Olin's rumor? Yeah. Then it's not really a rumor, is it? No. I'm actually just setting him up. Yeah, you're just making it up, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. no, I was going to, my answer to the, to the question would be, you know, when I get a free all grain kit, because all my money's going into, uh, uh, I don't know what it's going into. The those, brewing network those right now. Those B3 guys are really generous, <laughs> though. They are awesome. So. They're totally cool. So there you Ain't go. Uh, my moment of glory with my uh, first official question is well, over. Well, if we get you brewing on it and <laughs> do a video, that'd be awesome. That would be sweet. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to uh, shoot out a couple questions. Uh, I want quick answers because they're all about yeast, and then and then let's move on to the rest of the fermentation. Um, first is if you use a two-liter starter, which we were talking about with DME, doesn't the starter or DME flavor come across and mess with your award-winning beer, Jamil? Well, that's one of the things I had mentioned a little bit earlier. Um you know, you can – most of the time, no. It's going to be very hard to, to tell the difference, you know, okay. unless you really know what you're doing. No. But, uh, okay. you know, you make, a, make a big enough starter to, to work and then ferment it out fully and chill it and just decant the liquid if you want. Okay. Do you pitch – I, I, I'm, I think we already know the question. The question is uh, – the answer, rather. Do you pitch the whole 2,000-milliliter starter? Which yes, you do. A pitcher, not a catcher. You bet. Right. <laughs> um, and then finally, how do you store your yeast for up to a year? Slants. That's the only way to store yeast for a year. Okay. Um, yeast. Certain yeasts will uh, store really well. Uh, lager yeast generally do. Uh, certain yeasts will store very poorly. Um, wheat yeasts, all the the hefe yeasts, store like crap, and uh, uh, you know, it, like. California ale is is more towards is, is better. Uh, English ale yeast doesn't store very well. Um, so okay, Slams. I thought we were going to get off it, but I got more quick answers for you. Um, okay, so there's that one. How do you wash your yeast? 
Uh, I generally don't. Uh, if I do, it's just to separate out the, the majority of the troop. Um, uh, and I'll do uh, sterile water and just shake it up in a, in a, uh, a sterile Nalgene bottle and the troop drops to the bottom in, in moments and the, the yeast is all the clear, creamy stuff on top. Oh, okay. Or you hmm. can use, uh, a lot of people use, uh, you know, Coors Light or a Budweiser because the carbonation helps to lift the yeast up, but healthy yeast doesn't need any lifting, so just. And then just you scoop it, it off the top or what? No, I just decant it, pour oh. it off. So, okay. uh, just before I pitch, um, I'll just shake it up with some sterile water mm. and, uh, the, all the creamy yeast is at the top and I just pour that into, into the beer and, uh, all the crud's left in the, the last. 100 or 200 milliliters. Nice. Cool. And and say what's this you can either use Coors or Bud and what was the solution you used? You just distilled sterile water. water. Sterile water. Okay. Yeah, I, I I just put water in a a, a, a ball jar and uh pressure cook it. Okay. And then earlier, were you saying and uh, uh yeah, were you saying one vial of yeast per 1 liter or split a single vial between the the uh, the 2 liters? You're going to uh, Well, one vial in, in 2 liters of wort, you can split it or whatever. It's hard to get it exactly uh, balanced, but uh, one one vial in 2 liters will do because it's multiplying uh, either yeah, way. And and it's what it's what uh, White Labs recommends as well. Okay. White Labs believes that one vial of 30 to 60 billion cells into 2 liters of of wort will give you 240 billion cells, which is the appropriate pitching rate for five gallons of uh, 12 Plato 1048 wort. Um, again, if you're doing lagers, one and a half to two times that amount of cells. Okay. Again, it's about uh, uh, five billion cells per degree of original gravity that you need. So would that be to say then you would do four liters and, and two vials if you were doing a lager? Yes. Okay. Four liters, two vials. Otherwise, you're fine with right. two so about, liters, about a one vial starter. split between. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. You might uh, get away with three. And, you know, again, if you if you brew a real weak batch to start with, mm-hmm. you can take the yeast off of that, just drink that, you know, and go into your next beer. And maybe that first beer is so great, but the follow-on beers are really great. Okay. <laughs> uh, how about using a stir plate for starters? Uh, yeah, stir plate will increase your cell count. Oh. No matter what anybody says, it, it, it generates. Um, yeah, and it keeps it in suspension, and you you definitely see a lot more yeast with a stir plate. And you just keep that on the whole time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just do you you, you do your starter. Yeah. Uh, when you're boiling, you have your little uh, there's a stir bar that'll go in your Erlenmeyer flask. Yeah. Drops to the bottom. It's magnetic. Then you know when you you pitch your yeast, just set it on the stir plate, start it up. And uh, let it go, and you'll increase your cell count. So, okay. if I was doing just one tube into a into a liter, yeah. I would use a stir plate for sure. You would, okay. Yeah, I'd use it anyways. I, you know, if if you, again, you know, you're talking about uh, you know degrees of difference, and I think just doing what you're doing, uh, yeah. you know, makes makes a huge uh, huge well, difference. Just I go so. I go stir I go do a little stir shake every hour or so. Actually, even less when I do it just before I brew. The whole brew process, I'm going over like every 20 minutes, half an hour, and giving it a shake. I'm, so. I'm doing the same thing, right? Yeah. Not as efficient. Stir, yeah, the stir, stir plates really do make a big difference. Okay. Um, yeah, but it's like uh, 75, 80 bucks. Yeah, so. to get it. Yeah. Uh, somebody on the B3 forums posted how to make one out of spare parts. Oh, nice. And uh, I love you know, that. You know, I love when brewers do that. Just yeah, making you know, it. No, and B3 yeah. loves that too. You yeah, know, yeah. They don't care if they sell any. Stir plates or not? <laughs> okay, so if you got a stir plate, use it. Um, let's see. Is this another one? 
Okay, we can move that to the next segment. Okay, and then the final thing is, and then we discussed this already. I don't know if it was the delay, but we'll just do it real quick. It's it's going over washing the trub off a of yeast, and that's the using sterilized water. Put it in there. The trub's going to fall to the bottom. The right. creamy good stuff's going to stay at the top. Yep. Or use Budweiser or Coors because right. the carbonation will get it to the right. top, right? Yeah, the more viable yeast will, will stay in suspension longer. Okay, so that's how you get in the trub off your yeast. Yep. All right. Um, I think we're going to take a real short break. And then we're going to come back, and we've got our yeast ready, right? Yeah. We've done our yeast starter. We got we've got the proper amounts ready. Uh, I'm assuming that the wort has been has been prepared properly. It's been cooled down, and we're about to pitch our yeast, and we can probably take it from there. Does that sound exactly. all right, guys? Right. Okay, let's do that. I'll play a little more blues for you. It's going to be a short break, just long enough to uh, uh, give you guys a song, and then um, and then come back and 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 oh, oh, and refill your beer by the way oh, while yeah, you're doing of course. it. Maybe take a pee. It's been it's been a long show so far, yeah. and then uh, we'll we'll play some more blues. How about some Slim Harpo? Would that be good? Yeah. See, that's another good name. Slim Harpo. Slim Harpo. It's just it's just good. He's got to be like three fifty. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Brewing Network. We'll be right back. This is Johnny P. And Justin. And we're the Brewcasters. On the Brewing Network. All right, so let's keep going with this here. Uh, oh, I got more blues so playing for I, I got a girl. <laughs> she left me that Nice, so that's little Walter right there. Yeah, keep it going, man. Actually, little Walter actually looks little. I got a picture of him here. He might be the only guy in the blues that's actually who's, little. who's actually little when they call him little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because sometimes they make fun of him. Sometimes they get their name not because they're doing the opposite, but because he was actually like the little guy around. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, there's little Walter. Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out he ended up making some of the best blues ever. Yeah. I'll play little Walter when we take the next break. How about that? Uh, let me make sure I get that right. I'll click him, highlight him there. Okay, so... We're going to pitch yeast. We Yeah, we're going to get into our pitching of yeast and... Um, Hmm. I, I got a question about hot and cold break. I'm not sure if I should ask it here or wait till we get into the pitching of yeast. That's let's separate. ask it right now. Let's just get to it so I can get it out of the way because I got other questions about how you, about your secondaries and whatnot that I'm going to wait till later. Um, but this one is how much of the hot and cold break goes into the fermenter? When I do uh, ales, I really don't care how much hot and cold break gets in the fermenter. I, I try and leave some behind in the in the in the kettle, but uh, you can you can dump a bunch. When you're doing lagers, you want to get all the hot and cold break out. Really? Yeah. How do you do that? Uh, yeah. What I do is I I transfer to uh, usually a, a Morbier conical. Okay. And I'll uh, put that in the fridge, and I will chill that down to about 43 degrees. Uh, a, a large percentage of the cold break forms. In that range between seventy some odd and forty some odd. Okay. Once you get down about in the forties, you, you, you got most of the cold breakout. Uh, so I'll let that. If that takes eight hours. It takes eight hours, mm-hmm. and then I will drop I, and I'll increase my batch size to uh, like six and a half gallons. Okay. And I will drop a gallon of that word out with all the cold break. Gotcha. Uh, after that, I will oxygenate and pitch then. 
How about for us poor folk who can't do a more beer uh, conical? You can you can do it in carboys um, and just rack from one carboy to another. Okay. Now, that's what I used to do. Well, I only do ales, and uh, I've stopped doing that since actually speaking to you on the show last time. Um, I don't do that. What I used to do is is put – even before I pitched, uh, same thing. I, I put my word – dumped it all into uh, a carboy, filled it up to the right uh, – you know, I would, I would go – I'd do the same thing. I'd go up to six gallons, six and a half, because all that uh, tube is going to – at the bottom, and then I would rack it to another carboy. Right. Uh, maybe when Daniela does her Hellas, we'll have to do that because yeah. uh, we don't have a conical. Lo- Loggers are important. In in ales, you're not going to notice that flavor uh, from the tube. The the only negative on the tube is that uh, when you go to repitch that yeast, um, the tube can coat the yeast cells and uh, prevent it from uh, proper uptake and, and, and various things. But, okay. um, you know, it's really not that important in ales. Okay. If you have a... a a full boil kettle, whether it's five or ten gallons, an awesome way that John does it to reduce trube is you can have this little plate welded inside the bottom of your kettle. A diverter right? plate. A diverter plate. So you got your spigot down there. Mm-hmm. You'd, you'd put the diverter plate. It's a, it's about an inch and a half or so yeah. a, away from from the side. It's about a, around a third of the inside of the kettle. Right. Yeah. Which is the reason that you do a whirlpool. Now you can do a whirlpool anyway, sure. but the diverter plate's even better. So you got your diverter plate in there, which is it's about an inch and a half high, and it's an inch and a half away from the side of the of John's kettle. Mm-hmm. And you just you do a nice a good whirlpool. And all of your troops sit stand in the middle, and the, and as you're sucking out all the wort, the diverter plate holds it back, and yeah. you end up with it. Although you also use a conical, and I've seen you also kind of remove a, a little bit from the bottom of your conical well, too, right? There's also well, even though you're transferring post boil, I mean, there's a difference between chilling it with an immersion chiller and a counterflow chiller. Yeah, I use a counterflow, and a lot of that cold break ends up in my conical. Okay, you know, for ales, I actually. Just leave it in there and pitch my yeast anyway. Well, I'll tell you, the, sure. the greatest thing i come come across lately, uh, one of the things I've discovered is chilling with, you know, before you buy a counterflow chiller or a plate chiller, keep your immersion chiller, buy yourself a pump. Hook that pump up to the output of your kettle. Hook up a hose, go right back into your kettle, and whirlpool using that and use your immersion chiller. Hmm. And your temp will drop faster than any counterflow I've used. Any plate chiller I've used and the um, resulting cold break will all drop to the bottom. Really? Nice tube pile. Say that one more time, would you? So what I've done is I, I take my immersion chiller and set that in my in my kettle. Okay. I hook up my pump to the output of my my kettle. There's a you know, spigot out. Spigot there. out. Yeah. Right. I take a piece of hose, goes right back to a piece of copper that I put in underneath the 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 top of the wort. Okay. Just underneath the top layer? Yeah, or? so so you're not, you know, splashing it back yeah. in, but it's underneath. Okay. And then it points to the side and I turn the pump on, it will spin the wort. It'll create a whirlpool. Gotcha. And I do that a few minutes before the end of the boil to sanitize all the tubing and the and the pump and all that. Then I turn on my immersion chiller and you would not believe how fast the temperature drops. I, I told huh. Chris at Morbier this and he tried it. Yeah, he he didn't believe it. Okay. He tried it. He's stunned. He loves it. Wow! And um, you know the the temperature drops extremely fast. The uh, sanitation is less of an issue than a counterflow or a plate chiller. Yeah, it's cheap. It's uh, fast yeah. and easy. You get a nice true pile in there, and you're leaving your cold break behind. And you know, on an ale, if I could leave the the true behind, I would. Okay. But I'm not. I'm not gonna. That's you know, concerned. do extra transfers and stuff, and and build up my bacterial load. Yeah. I'm just gonna leave it in there. You know, however much gets in there. But if it's part of your chilling process, then awesome. Right. So, 
And the before diverter plate, you, it's a great idea as well. Before you, you actually even finish the boil, you're starting to run it through this piece of copper, but right. your wort back up to the top and create Sanitize your wort. that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're sanitizing it with hot wort? Yep. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's a really good idea. It's so easy and yeah. uh, so effective. And be careful. Yeah, anything, anytime yeah. you're dealing with boiling. And, and you so. can, and you can, uh, the, the great thing is you can dial in. I put a probe thermometer in there and I can watch the temperature drop. When it reaches the temperature I want to pitch at, yeah. I, I turn, turn the pump off and turn the water off. Okay. Wow. So how quick are we talking here? Uh, it'll drop 100 degrees in the first minute. That's incredible. For, wow. For whatever size we're One minute? In. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's it's within seconds. You can, I mean, the the dial just. So plunges. you're getting more surface area of your wort spinning around. That's yeah. hitting that. I mean, it's it's spinning fast. It'll spin so fast. It'll with the more beer pumps that they sell. Yeah. It'll it'll shut down the boil. It, it spins so fast. Interesting. Uh, all right, then what about filtering wort before pitching for a lager? No, um, some tube is actually necessary for appropriate uh, nucleation sites for the CO2 to form. Okay. If you don't, if you don't do that, the CO2 builds up to a level that, uh, uh, George Fix, God bless him, was just, he was right. You know, read George Fix, George was right. You know, do the experiments yourself. Can George I make a right. shirt that said George was right? That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I, I want one. <laughs> I'll buy one right now. All right. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he did experiments with filtering out all the tube. And, uh, the problem is, uh, the CO2 level build up to a point where it really stops the yeast from fermenting. Okay. You need a little bit of tube in there. And what happens is, or a cold break, um, when you uh, chill the, the work down, even to freezing, uh, you don't get all the cold break out. I mean, you can, it looks like it, but there's still cold break in there. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. You know, chill it down in the 40s, you know, drop out what's there and pitch, and there's just enough tube in there to provide the nucleation sites for the CO2 to uh, properly uh, let the CO2 out. Okay. So. Okay. So we've got our yeast ready. We've now uh, done what we need to do with our tube. We've transferred our wort. We've chilled our wort. And we're putting it into our fermenter. Right. Let's start. Let's talk about an ale, just because we need a specific example. So you're brewing an ale. Uh, you now you have it in your fermenter. What temperature are you going for a pitch? Depends on the the strain of yeast, and it depends on um, you know what style you're brewing. Like uh, I think it was uh, Matt or or Vinny were talking about uh, in previous shows about uh, you know when you're doing a belgian it's much warmer okay. when you're doing uh, any other kind of ale it's much cooler okay. so uh most ales i would say are in the 65 to 68 range 65 to 70 range okay. uh belgians tend to be 70 to as high as 85 ale smith in san diego they do their uh, horny devil at 85 mm. degrees okay which wow. is really intense but it's a great beer i pitch hot because I, I don't have a, a wort chiller of any sort. I do the old uh, take my kettle and put it in a, in a bath of ice in the sink uh, kind of deal. And I, I actually, I get it cold relatively, a lot faster than you would think just putting it in a sink. It's a smaller kettle. You know, I'm not doing a full five-gallon boil either. So I'm getting it down quick. And then I'm adding cold water to it too when I get it up to my to my proper volume. But even still, according to my temperature gauge, which is the stick-on dealy on the side of my carboy, I'm I'm... Up at like eighty sometimes, seventy nine, eighty when I'm throwing my my um, 
when I'm pitching pretty much every time. And then I'm trying to, like with this particular batch, I'm trying to get it down to temperature right away. I put it right into my water bucket uh, so, I, so I can get it at proper fermentation temperature. So how important is it for me that I'm pitching so, at, at such a high temperature like that and then dropping it down to proper fermentation? And basically, I'll tell you why. I didn't want to wait around. It, I, I brew later in the day. It gets late at night. I'm looking at 2 in the morning here when I'm pitching. I don't want to wait. So what am I doing there? You know, uh, people pitch warm also on lagers, and uh, I, I think it's a, a big mistake. Um, okay. You know, pitch at the temperature you want to ferment at. You okay. know, a couple of degrees, no big deal, but, you know, 10, 15 degrees, it's it's a big deal. Still, it's more important to make your starters, and okay. I think, you know, you're, you're you're doing a good job there. The, uh, you know, if if I was to buy something for for my brewery and I was just starting out, yeah. um, a kettle to do full, full wort boils mm. and a chiller. Okay. Uh, that that's what I would buy right away. Those, Am those I talking about off flavors here and what I'm doing? Yeah, you, you're going to end up with a lot more esters. Okay. Uh, you know, fusel alcohols, things like that. You know, there's there's quite a bit that's formed in the very beginning. If you know, people say, well, you know, it's it's doing its replication phase and its aerobic phase and all that to yeah. start out. Yeah. But uh, you know, that's very brief, and uh, you know, fermentation starts and. Uh, but if but, you're doing a lager and you could pitch at that temperature, let's say 70, 75, mm-hmm. but you could chill it to a lager temp in 12 hours, you're still in the uh, aerobic stage. Uh, uh, you, you've helped your yeast multiply. You guys should arm I, wrestle about well, it. Well, I, I know John does that, and John makes very good beer, but, uh, you know. <laughs> but the, he's wrong. <laughs> for me, no, I, like uh, John makes very good beer. Yeah. yeah. Um, you uh, know, John makes award-winning beer. That, so, well, that's what I know, would def- do with my lagers. So def- def- definitely go his route. Now, I told you before that the way to go <laughs> was, was I'm to I'm not going to take all your secrets. I mean, well, I like to this, go actually. With, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, I... <laughs> I used to do that myself. <laughs> okay. And what I found was that um, once I learned to really judge beer, I, I started, um, you know, realizing that, uh, you know, there were some off flavors there. And maybe not every judge picks it up, but there are some off flavors there. And the, the things that the brewers in Germany do, who, who they really know lagers there, mm-hmm. they really know what they're doing, they chill down into the 40s and they pitch and they let the temperature come up. That's... That's the appropriate way to do it. You get the the cleanest possible lager that way. Okay. And uh, you know, uh, you know, and and every time I hear somebody say, "Well, I've never had a problem with that. I do it this way, and I've never had a problem." Yeah. It's like, yeah. well, you know, I used to think that too until yeah. I actually learned how to uh, detect a lot of things in beer and 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 spend a lot of time judging, and then I realized, you know. I do have a problem with that. You okay. know, what I'm doing is causing a problem. Okay. And uh, now I can actually detect it. And uh, Well, let me well, say this. Well, let me talk about the because I, I want to talk to you about this, John, actually. Sure. Uh, and, and I like this, that you guys have a differing opinion. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've only seen it once before with a caller, where a caller called in and said, Doc, I think you're wrong, and this is what I do. And I love that, because... Homebrewers do have different opinions about how it works sure. out, and their opinions are formed about the end result of their beer. Sure. And and Jamil, you're commenting on that by saying, "Hey, I thought my beer was great, and then yeah. now I realize, as I learn more about it, it it could have been better." Right. But still, people have different answers. So, John, had I asked you the same question, uh, disregard what Jamil just said, it sounds like you know about that I pitch hotter and then I bring it right down to fermentation temperature. It sounds like you would have told me that's fine. Is is that what you would have said to me? Well. Jamil knows a little bit more about the science part of it, but my Doesn't whole matter. my whole thing is if, if you, yeast like warmth, 
And if it's lager or ale yeast, and if you're throwing it in warm, you're giving it a chance in the aerobic stage mm-hmm. to actually start growing and multiplying. Okay. And then if you can control it and manipulate it, you know, before it starts peaking, before that peak ends, yeah. I feel that you can actually have more yeast, healthier yeast, yeah. to actually last a longer, colder, lager temperature. Okay. Now, that that, sort of was my thought process, and you alluded to my thought process when you said people think, hey, it's just the beginning. They're still doing their thing. No big deal. And that's what I thought, too, because I'm going, hey, I still got a week of fermentation here. But but he's talking about what what John's talking about is a failure to pitch an appropriate amount of yeast into your beer to start with. See, he's trying to make up for not pitching enough yeast. Pitch enough yeast in the first place. You don't have to worry about as much growth. Even if it's cold? Yeah. Well... Okay. Let's pitch, pitch enough yeast to start with, mm. and you mm, don't need cool. to worry about giving it a hot environment right. to do do lots of replication. Yeah, it'll replicate just fine at lager temperatures. That's Bef- what lager yeast. I does. do a half gallon starter for a ten gallon batch, That's and not I still enough. and I. Okay, well, you let's see, let's, you, let's, let's you, talk about the need, standard American lager that I brewed last year. I so did a five gallon so pitch a for a thousand billion batch. cells. Okay. For a 10-gallon batch of lager. A thousand billion cells. Hmm. But the beer still finished out pretty dry, though. Mm-hmm. I just oh, feel seven, good about so going to bed at night knowing that my yeast are warm and fuzzy. Is that not good enough? <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I think like, the only thing I can understand that why you would not want to do it warm yeah. is because yeah. you're in that first 24 hours... It was potentially those yeasts would produce off flavors. Wouldn't, but yeah. also, well, he he you know, picked up the beer that it produced a vegetative flavor. You if, know, you're, if you're if you're kind of, but if you're also but. brewing this beer and the yeast are stressed in trying to, you know, there's there's you're not pitching enough. See, the the, the thing but is, I am you know, enough. everybody's trying to come up with these solutions around pitching enough. The the solution is to pitch enough healthy yeast. That's what I keep saying. It's like, you know, on the majority of beers that I taste, people haven't pitched enough healthy yeast, and that's where the the flaw is. So okay. if you pitch enough healthy, healthy you don't have to worry about temperature, yeah, exactly. Okay. You got enough. You got to make sure you got enough yeast to to pitch. But you're pitching at what 40, 42 degrees, yeah, 43, 44. And they're still, they're going to survive. They're going to be alive oh, yeah. still. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's as you bring them up, they come back to life. They're like, all right, here's sugar. They're Let's. fermenting at 43, 44 degrees. Wow. Don't be so agreeable, John. Tell him he's wrong. Well, <laughs> no, it I, works. It works. But I, it's an interesting, like, you know, because yeah, I believe that you need is. temperatures to help grow yeast. I, I, think, yet, I think, John, you John, you could make even better beer. You could, you could I, beat I Daniela, you. Daniela's future Munich Hellas. Uh-huh. You, you could beat that by, by pitching <laughs> the appropriate amount of yeast to start with. <laughs> you can beat that. I like so, that hers is the, so those, is the standard. So, so you, what, you, on, Jamil. what you're doing right now is fine for a starter sure. for that batch that will be the ultimate. Right. <laughs> right? So I've had your beer, and your beer is excellent. Right. Your beer could be, you know, flawless. God's gift to beer. If you, <laughs> if you, you know. I'm going to do a blind experiment on this you got, one. you got to pitch the, you know, the extreme amount of yeast. Okay. All right. A couple cool. of things. A couple of things. Uh, while we're, while we're carry, I got a lot of questions cool. uh, from the chat room. So Let while we carry on with these, can we open up one of your beers that you brought, Jamil? Yeah. I'd like to yeah. drink one of yours. We got some empty uh, taster glasses here. So maybe you can grab one of those. Jamil brought in some beers, and, and this could be interesting for discussion later on. I think we're going to do a long show tonight. I'm fine with that if you guys are. Um, Jamil brought some beers that he that he's aged for 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 quite a while, so we can maybe talk about uh, how fermentation, you know, proper fermentation allows you to store beer longer. Because if you get some some bugs in there, you can't store it as long, and if you don't ferment properly, Which, you can't store it as long. So, 
We'll taste some of his, his right. aged beers, and then uh, you know a, a bit later on this discussion, uh, get into how we can you know age them longer, like like he has, and, and see if they're even any good. Well, the thing that Jim Mill do. does right is he's clean. I mean, he enters beers that are like three to five years old, and they still do very well. So I shower too. He looks real clean. He does look like a clean guy. But so do, you're a computer guy too on on your off time, right? So uh, all computer guys look clean, except for my dad. Oh no, he, yeah. I, you know I work at a company, man. There's some nasty looking computer. Games. My dad's a computer guy. He's all hairy all over the place and sloppy looking. What are you gonna do? Um, okay, uh, here's some more questions about this temperature thing. Do you cool your logger down to 50 in pitch? Do you cool your starter down to 50? Palmer's book says to pitch uh, to pitch starter. Uh, to the wort at the lower temperatures. What are your comments? And I think that's what we're going through. Your comments are to get it down to fermentation temp and right. do it, which may not necessarily so, be 50. Right. So so loggers, I, I get down to 43, 44 degrees. Oh, okay. I drop my tube, oxygenate, then I pitch my, my starter. I usually put my starter in the same environment that my, my logger is. Now, and that's if I'm doing a starter on something like that. Usually, uh, yeah, I will for, for a first batch. But then after that, I'm repitching, and I've I've got yeast solids. I've got you know 500 mils of yeast solids to to pitch. But okay. this is when you have an, a starter active the morning of you pitched, you put it in 43 degree Fahrenheit yeah. environment, and you then know, you're going to pitch at that the, temperature. The, the starter you can do at a at a higher temperature, it'll be all right. Um, and 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 pitch to cold, it'll be okay. But I would I would start to bring it down. I don't worry too much about. There's a rule of like one degree per day or something like that, or you know, hmm. so many degrees per day. And I I really don't worry about that a whole lot. Um, I give my yeast plenty of time at you know the temperature that they need. Okay. But, uh, uh, quick answer. Um, let's do a couple of quick answers. Uh, what do you think's the difference between the stick-on thermometer, which I used, uh, and the and the and then the firm, uh, the the thermometer you put inside the fermenter. Um, you know, I was I was very much all over more beer to to do that uh, uh, insert into the the mm-hmm. fermenter for mm-hmm. the temperature probe. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a very well done experiment and article in uh, it was either Brew Your Own or Zymergy. I think it was Zymergy, um, which is a part of the uh, benefits of joining the AHA. You get Zymergy subscription. Um, and uh, the guy proved that the temperature on the outside of the glass is within like a half degree of the center of the wort as it ferments. So I think the stick-on thermometers are just fine. I would not uh, worry about that. What we're drinking is a, uh, a three-and-a-half-year-old Russian Imperial Stout. This is malty. Damn it. That's... All right, I'm going to say this. That's and I'm going to say it. It's good. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Uh, Say it. I've been saying it to to people who ask me about Jamil on the show. I haven't I haven't said it in any print or broadcast form. I've said it uh, leisurely to friends. Jamil, I'm a I'm a a, a beer uh, snob. I I long before I was home brewing, I was a beer snob, and but but then it was all craft brews and things like that. Uh, I've drank a lot of beer. Uh, your beer, both on the last show you've come in, and then tasting that right now. Your beer is the best beer I've ever had in my life. Yeah, thank you very much. I swear I'm not. This is this has nothing to do with the show or anything else. I'm just talking about a beer guy. It is Daniela shaking her head and agreeing, and she's German. She knows that uh, I've had great beer from her country. Uh, your beer is literally the best beer I've ever had in my life. It's thank a, you. it's so 
beer-like, <laughs> like without any, without any extra junk and, 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 and bad taste and off flavor and, and, and being old from the story about it from, and uh, I'm telling you, it's such good beer. There's another bottle there that John hasn't opened. I think he's... To me, like actually, Jamil's <laughs> beer always reminds me of the beer back home because it seems to be so pure and good and brewed like the Reinheitsgebot and what beer ex- is expected to be. I yeah. never get this beer here in America, unfortunately. You don't. No, I never have the same feeling drinking beer like at home. Yeah. But Jamil's beer is just different. Yeah. It's, it's, it's truly something else. a very else. high compliment. My my favorite brewing is uh, brewery is the uh, uh, Eyeing... Uh, brewing and I, it, it, it's that's my favorite lager yeast as well. I mean, they they are they are just spectacular. Those guys really know what they're doing. We have a, a person, that's my just, mecca, uh, a friend, just mm. hanging in the studio. Uh, another beer con- connoisseur. He just tried Jamil's beer. I'm just curious, Joe. Grab that microphone there and just uh, you're 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 a beer fan too. You're not a home brewer, but uh, but a beer fan. And and you just drank his his a uh, what is it? say again? It's a three year old imperial stout, three and a half year old Russian imperial stout. Russian yeah. imperial stout. What do you think of that? I'm not a fan of the stout at all, but that was really tasty. That was tasty. You sound like. Uh, um. I can't. I, I don't know his singer. I'm so white um, right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Joe, who's the guy? Come on, Mr. Soul. Barry White. Barry White. Like yeah. Barry White. <laughs> I didn't even realize you sound like that. Say I love you, baby. Before I put you on, on the microphone. Say I love you, baby. I love you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Joe, we're going to bring you back at just yeah. random moments during the show to uh, give us some Barry White impressions. That's excellent. Be your orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you think? Your opinion of the beer, huh? I love it. It's good stuff. I don't like, I don't really like stouts at all. Um, per se, I don't ever go for stouts, but that's good. Yeah. Well, and one of the things, so this is a three and a half year old beer. If, if there were any bugs in there or, you know, or more bugs in there, what you'd end up with is a thinner beer with lots of carbonation. Yeah. And so the carbonation at this point is the same as when it went into the bottle. And that's, you know, that's telling that, you know, uh, you know, there's nothing else in there because there's a lot of dextrins left over in there to make it kind of that rich, creamy feel. Yeah. Well, um, how do you how do you do that? I mean, how do you get your beer clean from fermentation into the bottle? Pour the rest of that bad boy and open the other one. Yeah, let's get some more. Some more and then, well, uh, I think part of it, I, I don't, and unless you have new things to add, I'd rather them listen to the archive because you did sure. talk a lot about yeah, your yeah. sanitizing, right, 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 and right. and using the oven, the pressure cooker, uh, right? I, I I would guess that has something to and do with it. You boil your counter yeah. pressure fill, right? You boil the parts, you take it apart? Um, once a year, I take my counter-pressure filler completely apart. I soak it in a hot PBW, and then I uh, boil all the parts. Um, you know, sanitation. Uh, you know, I read about people, like, uh, scrubbing and sanitizing their boil kettle and their mash tun and all that, and that that's nonsense. You don't need to do that. I, I got a good protein layer built up in my boil kettle. Nice, and you like yeah. that. <laughs> Who cares? I mean, you know, I got somebody who just freaks out when he sees it, but... That doesn't matter. Okay. It's everything. Once that wort leaves that boil kettle, that's when you're interested. That's okay. that's the majority of your focus of your time. Okay. The other part is nonsense. So Jamil's uh, he he makes an excellent point that at three and a half years, this ale sitting in in, in that bottle. If there was anything in there, this is the point where it's going to be at its worst. Yeah, maybe another couple years, but you get the point. Uh, it can't sit for that long. And, and, and have bugs in it and come out this good. So, so, so there you go. Sanitation and then a proper and quick and, and, and strong fermentation to suppress whatever bugs are left in there. Cause as we've said, you're never going to get them all out. 
That's the key. And then you're not talking about a beer that you have to drink within six months or, or whatever else. You can really age it like mm-hmm. this one. Mm-hmm. This is a great Imperial Stout. Well, Good head on it Imperial still. Stout. And I've, and I've had, uh, you know, porters and I've had, uh, you know, 60 shilling ales. You know, it, it's not the alcohol. It's, it's the sanitation. And I've, I've had beers that, uh, I entered, uh, chocolate hazelnut porter in the in the nationals this year and it was the very first one i brewed and it was four or five years old when i entered i had one bottle left over i just threw it in for for grins yeah and it placed okay that's like well if they're clean they'll last they'll last Mm. okay do this for me quick and then i'm gonna say refer to the uh archive as well with this one so if you can just give us the numbers again uh can you recap the appropriate amount of yeast for low medium and high gravity ales just kind of quickly, what are they? You need five billion cells per one degree of gravity, or one one point of gravity. So in a, in a Play-Doh, you need twenty billion cells per Play-Doh for okay. five gallons of wort. So what's the volume? That's a that's a two liter, a one liter pitch. A a tube of White Labs has between thirty and fifty billion cells. So mm-hmm. figure about forty billion cells. Yep. A, for a regular gravity, we're talking here. Right. So that's pitchable into. Uh, uh, eight degrees of Play-Doh, which is ten thirty-two. Okay, which is like a mild or an ordinary bitter. Okay, um, and a activator pack from Y yeast is about a hundred billion cells, which is appropriate for um, uh, twenty degrees of five Play-Doh, which is uh, our. I, I messed up here. It's no, okay. I've been drinking. I think but, what we're uh, looking <laughs> at is we're looking at two liters of of. Of active prop yeast. of active the, yeast. The yeah. two Which liter is, active yeast will get you to a five from a one tube of White Labs. A two liter active yeast will get you to um, a five gallon pitchable at ten forty eight. Okay. So, okay, so for a regular gonna, one, if you're gonna, you know, you're doing uh, IPAs and stuff like that, and you're in the ten sixties and stuff like that, do two tubes of White Labs into a uh, two liter starter for five gallons, and then you're you're dialed in. You're good. What about for a high gravity? Um, you know, the, the, the higher the gravity gets, the more intense the yeast needs get. Okay. It's, it's not a linear effect. But would you kind of, in general, would you double it like you would a lager? Uh, yeah, but again, so, uh, you know, 1048, you know, one tube, 1062 tubes, uh, you know, you get up to 1080 or something like that. You really should be repitching from a previous batch. So sanitation okay. is important so you can repitch and have clean yeast. Yeah. If you can do that, you can just... You, your yeast problems are over. Are the yeast healthier? But if you can't, you know, four tubes of yeast into, you know, uh, you know, a, a, a two liters or a gallon, and uh, you know, and, and that for a ten eighty to, you know, one one. Well, are the yeast healthier when you repitch? They they can be, and that's that's something also that that John and I have talked about is, um, you know, the very first pitch is is not very healthy. Uh, you know, it's it's slightly different conditions uh, as you. As you repitch yeast, and, and commercial brewers should tell you this as well, uh, you know, the third through the tenth pitch is magic. You know, the first and second pitch are so-so, and, and the yeast really get dialed into your process, and you've got enough yeast solids that um, you're really making a big difference. And, uh, you know, so repitching, if you know, work on sanitation, and, and so you can repitch, and being able to repitch... Gets you some really great beers. All the award-winning brewers repitch. Okay. Same thing for you know. That's why every craft brewer that you talk to they repitch. repitch yeah, yep. you're absolutely right. Now, if you were to store repitched yeast, 
but not actually put on a slant tube, how would you do it? And you, what's the life expense? What I use research? is a sterile Nalgene bottle. I swirl the carboy. I pour it in there in a, in a sterile environment, put the cap on, put it in the fridge. And then when I'm ready to reuse it, I add sterile water, shake it up, and pour off the creamy stuff. Um, uh, you know, your, your yeast is going to last for a week or two weeks. Hmm. You know, you have to be, uh, what I do is I sequence my beers. I say, well, all these beers can be brewed with the same type of yeast. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so these 10 beers are all going to be brewed from this pitch. And I start off with like an ordinary bitter for my English ale. Yeah. And I'll go through all my English beers in, in the following weeks. Um, you know, for California ale, I'd start with a Scottish, which I use California ale, and I do all my California ale beers off of that. Uh, my loggers, you know, same way. Hmm. And, uh, you know, repitching, it's not about saving money, it's about making the best beer, but yeah. you cannot repitch unless your sanitation is very, very good. Yeah. I gotta tell you, I am so afraid of repitching, it's unbelievable. Then, you know, <laughs> you know, because I don't, I don't want anything to do with it. Uh, I want to see you do go it. With starters, I'll tell you that. Go with starters. I want to watch with, you do you know, it. But yeah, you're right. I think, you know, just keep doing starters and healthies. I'm so afraid of, of, of wasting a whole batch of beer yeah. because I didn't right. get a proper repitch. I didn't, I didn't get my yeast uh, from the last batch uh, clean enough. I didn't, you know what I mean? And I just, I don't want anything to do with it right now mm-hmm. until I can see it done right. and then kind of take it from there and then, and then give it a go. Cause I just don't want to waste a whole batch of beer. Yeah, exactly. But, but Jamil's right. If you, you're really training your yeast and if you get a good batch and you go, okay, that yeast worked awesome. Yeah. I want to make it go to work again. Mm-hmm. You're just going to make better beer if you can learn to do that. Well, I've heard Jamil you know. say too that they start to produce their natural flavors down the line in their third generation and on up. Yeah. Or well, their flavors might come through more because yeah, it's the difference between propagation, which you know the yeast companies are doing, and brewing and and fermentation. Um, you know there there is a difference there. Um, well, wouldn't they produce a more natural flavor, which they produce naturally, just it's, because it's, they're it's, healthier it's, yeast? It's down? pretty darn close. The, the the problem is in pitching too few yeast cells, and you end up with different flavors pitching under pitching than you do when you pitch correctly. And, uh, you know, by repitching, I think that's, that's probably one of the biggest things. If you, you know, to, to, to pitch properly with, uh, you know, a vial of white labs, you need six vials of white labs to pitch into a 1048 wort for five gallons. Six wow. vials. Six vials. <laughs> if you could do that, if you can afford that, that's an appropriate pitching rate and you're going to turn out some awesome beer. Hmm. The problem is people don't do that and, you know, by, Repitching, you're getting enough yeast. Hey guys, I think this is, uh, if, I'm not cutting. If you, you go Y yeast, you, you know a Y yeast activator pack, that, the, those giant packs. Yeah, those are packs. each one of those is worth two White Labs vials. Right. I, I love White Labs. I love White, Chris White. You know, great company, great products, awesome. Um, it's just a, a fact of life that you know the activator packs have 100 billion cells and the Y yeast tubes have uh, 30 to 50 billion. Okay. You know, excellent products both. And use either one and make great beer, awesome beer, award-winning beer. I just got the best request that I've ever gotten from the chat room. This is really a good one. It was from the chat room, right? 
because I'm sitting here and I got to go pee so bad and I'm listening to you guys talk about this and I'm loving the information and I still got to pee so I can't pay attention. And Daniela passes me this note that says, can we take a pee break? And I'm thinking she has to go too. And she says, no, it's from the chat room. They want to take a pee break. Oh, so cool. they're in the same boat as I am. They don't want to leave, they don't want to leave cool. the information, right but they got to go pee. <laughs> so we're going to take a really quick break to go pee. And which is good for a beer show. You'll notice that the, that the breaks get more frequent at the end yeah. because you've had more beer and so have our Listeners, so quick break. Uh, I'm, someone wants me to play Willie Dixon, and so uh, can I interrupt one second? Do it, Jamel J A M I L yeah. at MrMalty.com. Okay, so if you got questions, you can go ahead and send that. I'd, I'd much prefer to come back to the show and answer all the questions on the show. Cool, but if you have something really urgent, um, you know, I'd be I'd be glad to help you out there. Okay, Jamil at MrMalty.com. Yeah, that's awesome. So you can With ask no questions period. direct to the guy. That's very generous of you. Yeah. You're going to get bombarded with emails now. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> here he does. Let's I think help help each other out. Okay, so I'm not stopping the discussion. We're going to be right back and do it. We're just we'll, taking we'll a pee talk break. Temperature. Okay, so here's some Willie Dixon. Uh, Dixon, how about backdoor man? I, you, that had to be what you're asking for, right? Willie Dixon. We'll be right back. It's the Brewing Network. We're here with Jamil Zanishef, and uh, we'll be back with Tell more fermentation what. talk. The backdoor man. I am the backdoor man. Well, the men don't know, but the little girls they understand. When everybody is uh, trying to sleep. I was trying to make that all like sweet and nice and a smooth segue, but it just didn't happen. Let's go. The song stopped before I knew it. I was too busy trying to get the last of Jamil's beer. <laughs> I was like, is that an open bottle with Jamil's beer in it still? It's like two ounces. <laughs> all right. Is so, that good? Uh, we gave you some Willie Dixon, and then I also gave you some Little Walter, which is what uh, I, I know they asked for, for Willie Dixon in the chat room. And ask, you shall receive as much as I can possibly give. Okay, I'm not exactly sure where we were in the fermentation process. I do know I've got a, a bunch of questions in front of me. I'm trying to organize them so that we stay on topic as we go, um, which is which gets difficult to do sometimes. Um, and, and occasionally I have to eliminate a question. I apologize about that if we get through it. Let me do this really quick. I'm going to summarize it myself because we have a new listener. He's in the chat room. I like it when our new listeners get active right away, and uh, he wants me to summarize yeast pitching just really quick once again. Uh, I will refer you to the archive as well, though. It'll be up next week. Since you're a new listener, you might not know that, so you can come back and listen. But here you go. I'm going to give you the real quick version, not the highly technical version. So go back and listen to the archive. You'll get the rest of it. But he wants me to summarize for a novice, um, should he buy a 2,000-milliliter flask, add half a pound of DME and fill with water and add one vial of White Lab when ready. I'm going to say in general, yes. That should be good. Go ahead and get yourself a a 2,000 milliliter flask. Put the water up. uh, Go ahead and go above 2,000 milliliters because you're going to boil off a little bit. Add your DME to it. Boil it for 15 minutes. Put a piece of tin foil over the top of it. Just, you know, just kind of lightly close it. It's going to let the vapors out. No big deal. Uh, Boil it for 15 minutes, set it aside, let it cool down. You could let it cool down for four hours. It doesn't matter. Just let it cool down. And then pitch your vial of yeast in there. Pitch the whole vial in there. Mm -hmm. If you can't get a 2,000 milliliter for some reason, 
buy two 1,000 milliliters yeah. and put half a vial in one and half a vial in the other, and then you want to pitch the entire thing into your wort. Uh, Jamil says you want to pitch it down at fermentation temperature. So if it's an ale, get it, whatever the beer is, get it to where you want to ferment it and then pitch your yeast. John and, and my laziness, uh, say, Pitch it anyway, and then bring it right back down to fermentation temperature as quickly as you possibly can. Um, you might make a, a better uh, a beer if you do it Jamil's way. Uh, you're probably going to end up with a perfectly good beer if you do it John and Mai's way. But yeah. uh, just, they're just make a starter. Make a starter is the is the key. Yeah. So there you go. Yes, buy a 2,000 milliliter flask, put the quarter pound of DME in there, pitch the whole vial of yeast, wait for it to get bubbling, put it in your word. There you go. Happy to help. Check out the archive cool. for the more technical answer. Awesome. Okay. Um, hmm. God, so many questions here. Where are we at? Okay, so what we've done now is decided well, what temperature to pitch at, and, right. and, and there's a couple varying opinions. Let's say we've gone ahead there's and pitched. the right one and the wrong one. <laughs> I like that. I love when I'm right. <laughs> nice, John. <laughs> and that's not today. So um, uh, we'll try to speed the process along a bit here. Let's say that we've gone ahead and we've pitched at the appropriate temperature. We're doing an ale still. Uh, what are we going to do now? Well, a couple of things. Before you pitch, oxygenate. Mm. Before, not yeah. after. No. Well, and you know, right after, fine. Okay. But you know, uh, and 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 there's there's a thing about high gravity. Twelve hours later, another dose of oxygen, yada yada. But but the thing is, you know, when you pitch, when you're pitching, or right after you pitch, or before you pitch, um, you know, uh, dose with oxygen. Get get yourself uh, an oxygen kit or an aeration kit or whatever. And swirling the carboy just doesn't work. Okay, you need to add some oxygen. Uh, B3 sells a bunch, Northern Brewer, you know, all, all these homebrew shops have some sort of oxygenation kit. Okay. Uh, I'm sure B3 would rather you bought it from whoever rather than not do it at all. Yeah. Um, well, so, so, so make sure you get, you, you get enough oxygen into that beer. Uh, well, for, and Nationals, uh, I think it was Chris or the guy from Hawaii's talking about to get an appropriate amount of oxygen into solution. Parts yes. per million. Yes. If you do natural aeration, it was 45 minutes to an hour right. through an air pump. And, Puro and, and, like and it's impossible to oversaturate with, with air. With natural aeration. Right. With, with oxygen, it is pop- possible to oversaturate, but don't worry. You're, you're not going to do that. Um, the other thing is... Uh, no, it's aeration. I mean, natural aeration versus Puro 2. I mean, you save time. Um Right, it, 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 it's well worth it. Again, um, you can you can go with uh, you know uh, just an aquarium pump and a stone, and all that, or mm-hmm. swirl in the car or whatever, and and you'll make beer. I mean, it'll be it'll be fine beer, but it's not pure oxygen by any means. Right, that you're but, putting you know, in there. If if you've it's drank some of, some of the best, some you know, German beer, some of the best English beer, some of the best uh, Belgian beer, some of the best uh, you know American beer, yeah. You know, it depends on what you want to make. If you want to make, you know, just decent beer to drink, yeah. you know, you don't need to go through all these uh, yeah. shenanigans. You, yeah. you can just make, you can make really fine beer without yeah. all this. If you want to make the best beer possible, which most homebrewers want to do, yeah. um, you know, you need to oxygenate, you need to make a starter. Yeah. You know, um, let me, I'm glad you said that because I don't want to, for, for first time brewers, in fact, there's a brewer who posted on our forum who actually donated to help us out. Hasn't even brewed yet. 
listened to our archives, oh, likes the information, yeah. has not even made a batch of beer. Just put some. I don't want to discourage these people yeah. from all this stuff that we're talking about. Make some sugary water, throw some yeast in there, and you're going to drink good beer. Yeah, it'll, it's it'll going to be, be good. It's fine. Let me tell my uh, okay. My first four batches, maybe even five. Only one of them was bad, and the only reason it was bad is because it didn't carbonate. Right? I, I did proper that. sanitation. I shook up my fermenter. I didn't oxygenate. I didn't do a yeast starter. I didn't do anything. My first beer was an IPA. One of the best IPAs I've ever drank. Mostly because I brewed it, right? It wasn't a brilliant IPA or anything, but I brewed it. And you made it. And you it was, made it yourself. It, yeah. And it was so drinkable. I'm not saying that I drank bad beer. I'm telling you, this beer was incredibly drinkable. And, and, and I loved it. So if you're just starting, Please don't be discouraged by all this stuff. What we're talking about for, and, and those of you who have been doing yeah. it for a while, you know this already. We're just talking about refining your beer and the process and really making the stuff you want to make. And you'll grow into this too. But don't be discouraged. Exactly. It's so easy. It's your, so your easy. First few batches, just throw it yeah. together. Who cares? Yeah. Just, just do it. I like what you said, Jamil. You Put some sugar and some water and some yeast in there. Yeah. It's beer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> don't, don't, don't worry about it. Yeah. It'll turn out great. I got a caller on the air. Let me take this real quick. We'll get back to discussion. I think we got uh, Christian. How you doing? Christian, you there? He's playing golf. Yeah, he was on hold for too long. He thinks he's still on hold. You're not a golf pro, man. <laughs> I well, can uh, hear him back you know, What we're drinking right now is uh, uh, Alaskan Hello. Brewing. Uh, there he is. Hang on. Hello? Hello. Are you there? Yeah, this is Chuck, though, from Wisconsin. Oh, it's Chuck. It's not Christian. How you doing, Chuck? I'm doing great. How about you guys? We're doing great, too. Thanks for calling in. I've got a question. Go ahead. About using DME and making starters. Okay. Uh, my books call for adding four ounces, which would be technically half a cup of DME to X amount of water. Okay. All right, and there's a discussion about this, and I've got into an argument on another forum about this, that basically that, let me look at my book here, Go one ahead. quick second. Um, if mm-hmm. I took a 1,000 milliliter starter okay. of water and added four ounces of DME, okay. would that give me a 1040 starter or and and what I'm saying that would be a half a cup, or should I be weighing it out as volume? One one pound of DME per gallon of liquid gives you ten ten forty forty something or other. What he's talking about uh, though is doing a quarter pound of DME. Yeah. Yeah, is is about well. Yeah, I'm doing four. I'm doing cup. four ounces, which is a half a cup. Or half a cup. Well, you do half it by do it, a do it by weight. Do it by weight, not yeah. by volume. Yeah, yeah. And uh, because that actually would only be two ounces by weight, which would give me a ten twenty. Right. Too low. Right. Right. Um, but um, well, one thing is, um, yeah, do, do do whatever works for you. That that sounds great. Um, you can do a, a, a hydrometer reading on that. And mm-hmm. what you want ideally is between ten twenty and ten forty. Right. You yeah. know, um so just just shoot for ten thirty something and if you go over, fine. If you go under, fine. You know, if you're making a starter your your world's ahead of most homebrewers. Yeah. I've got three thousand milliliter flasks. So. There you go. Oh nice. Now he's talking. Yeah. The big boy. 
Oh, now, now, see, now. And stir plates. Oh, Jamil well, so got a little, a little excited there. <laughs> this guy, this guy, he's not screwing around. You know what? That's the most animated I've ever seen Jamil in the, <laughs> in the short time I've known okay. him. He was like, all right, buddy. <laughs> and, then, and then I, and then I oxygenated. Yeah. Uh, I've got a continuous flow through, um, some of those, uh, uh, things that you get at Walmart to, to pump air. Of course, air is only 20% oxygen anyway. Right. Yeah. But you're using a sterile uh, uh, filter, yes. like from Big yes. 3? Yeah. Pump it through a sterile filter. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, into, the, the into, foam, the, into the starter. So you're building your yeast count. Foam, uh, yeah. See, it, it, won't, it won't ferment any alcohol, but you'll, you'll get a ton of yeast cells out of that. What about putting a, uh, a pellet or so in there? Pellet of what? Hops, you mean? Uh, yeah, hops. Uh, you know, I wouldn't worry about it. You know, really, hops, uh, the advantage there is... Uh, All it makes know, is a mess. Well, <laughs> pre- pre- preventing, uh, you know, uh, contamination, it, it tends to, to fight some of the bacterial load, but I, I wouldn't worry about that. Wait, uh, uh, you're saying a pellet would fight back, uh, yeah, contamination? Yeah, you know, the hop acids help, too. Uh, oh, okay. But uh, more important would be nutrients like Cervomyces, K, things like that. Yeah. Uh, make right, sure. I use white yeast nutriment in it. There you go. Okay. That that that's perfect. No okay. no problem. But I, it I, is by volume, not by. Then uh, that's where I it's was. It's by going. weight. It's yeah. by weight, not by, by volume. weight, not by volume. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh, you know what you're doing right now. Yeah. I would not quibble with that one bit. You know, it, you know, ten twenty is still fine. Um, you know, you get a little more yeast growth if you go up to like ten thirty. So well, go I go like, to. I like know. to start them at about five hundred milliliters. And then take them on up to three thousand milliliters. Yeah, um, yeah. Generally, you do a ten to one, so three hundred milliliters to three thousand, five hundred to three thousand. Who's who's counting? You know, that sounds That's great. Right. You know, what you're doing is as long as your sanitation's good, you're yeah. you're doing killer for your yeast, and you'll uh, you know you'll uh, you're pitching plenty. Unless you're pitching, yeah. how how much are you pitching into? Uh, five gallons. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're set. All right. <laughs> You could maybe add a bit more DME, though, you're saying? Because if yeah, he's right yeah. at 1020, then you maybe throw a little more in there yeah, to get to but, 1030. You know, he's, and, you know, he's, uh, and what kind of yeast are you starting with? Are you doing white yeast? Yeah, I do both. I do it yeah. between white yeast and white lab. Yeah, if you're doing the white yeast uh, activator packs, it's 100 billion, and, you know, yep. you're, you're, you're pitching just, you're, you're doing exactly what you need to be doing. At that point, as long as sanitation's good, now you can start focusing on, um, you know, recipe formulation and things like that. Right. You know? And temperature control of fermentation, that's one thing I wanted to mention is, you know, a steady fermentation temperature is very important. You know, right. swings of four degrees or whatever, bad news. You want to keep it steady. The yeast are much happier with a steady temp, no matter what that temp is. Okay. Stir plates tend to generate heat. Yes. Okay. That's, that's what okay I've done on starter. my stir plates, I've taken and put in the, uh, uh, like a piece of a inner tube across the top of it. Mm-hmm. I have heat tape across it so I can watch what the temperatures are. Gotcha. And then if they guy. start to get over 74 degrees, I'll take and wrap a cold towel around them. Nice. Just and, to keep it down. Uh, keep them down there in the 72 to 74 degree range. Okay. Where, where are you at? In Wisconsin. Uh, I gotta come visit you. Awesome. <laughs> you got some good techniques. <laughs> you're, my, you're my kind of kind of guy. <laughs> That's awesome. Very nice. Hey Chuck, you want a free vial of yeast? 
Well, I always take a free vial of yeast. a boy. This is courtesy of Jamil, just because uh, he likes you. I think you're a, you're a great caller. And uh, I got here a certificate that will give you a free vial of White Labs that Jamil brought in to give to you. So uh, That's super. I need some more 838. All right, sweet. Are, are you in the chat room right now? Uh, it was a minute ago. Okay. All you got to do is either send me an email that's on the website or go back in the chat room and talk to Daniela to give her uh, your information so I know who gets this thing because uh, sometimes I forget. And we'll send you a free uh, a certificate for a free vial of White Labs yeast courtesy of Jamil Zanishev. I appreciate it. Hey, Chuck, we appreciate the call. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. Thanks, Chuck. All right. We'll see you Bye. soon. Wow. That's an ingenuity. That was uh, awesome. I like that. Yeah. Chuck's doing stuff. Sharp listeners out there. <laughs> uh, but I have a question, though, for Jamil. Do you add any nutrients to your fermentation process? And, uh, and so what? Yeah. Uh, so uh, for uh, most batches, uh, I'll use uh, servomyces, which is, uh, you know, is essentially gives you, uh, you know, dead yeast as, as a nutrient plus, uh, you know, high zinc level. They, they special feed these yeast. Uh, to build up the the nutrients and the and the uh, uh, minerals and stuff in the yeast, and then they kill them off, and you pitch those in, and and, and it does a really nice job. So Servomyces, well worth it. Um, some people say it makes a big difference in the initial ferment. I have not noticed that. I uh, I believe it makes a big difference in repitching, a huge difference in repitching. But yeah, uh, some people say it it, it makes a, a big difference in the initial pitch, but. Uh, and, and they could just well be right, and I'm I'm missing that. Um, but I've used Servo for uh, two or three years now on every batch. No matter yeah, oh yeah, I, I'm not brewing without Servo. Wow. Um, and then uh, is that you just know, because you repitch a lot, or is this it's a good uh, food source? For you, you know, both. And I, I I want the best possible fermentation. Um, I was uh, Sierra Nevada homebrew of the year a couple couple times and uh, i went up to sierra nevada and one of the things that they stressed was they were pitching uh, zinc into their their batches and they said and and sierra nevada no matter what you think of them um they are very technically advanced and they are very concentrated on making the best possible beer and watching their yeast and they got labs i mean you know these they, they got labs to rival the germans and um uh, one of the things that they found made a big difference was pitching zinc into the into their batches and, and uh, getting zinc. Was it in pure there. zinc or was it servo? They they have like a zinc uh, nutrient, uh, zinc something, uh, and they take a scoop and they pitch it in. I I pitched in uh, the zinc and the hops while I was there, and I I pushed the button that changed the valve and uh, all that stuff. Awesome. <laughs> uh, Sierra Nevada, I tell you, wonderful people. If you've never been there, uh, everyone thinks they brew like three or four types of beer. Go to the brew pub. They got sixteen different wow. beers on. Yeah. They're all oh. spec. Don't distribute them all. I had their um, IPA a year ago, which I never knew existed, and I found it in a little bar that just happened to get a hold of a keg, I guess. And uh, serious IPA. Like I'm an IPA guy. I couldn't finish two of them, not because it was bad, but because it was just a real thick kind wow. of a, like a very bitter strong. It was a good IPA, but. It was hefty, and it was real hefty. And they do. Jamil's right. They they brew beers that you you don't know about. Go go to Chico. Go to their brew house there. They have a, a wonderful restaurant. Great food, and you get a sampler. It's like sixteen different beers, all spectacular. They don't uh, brew anything junky there. 
We just opened up another one of Jamil's beers. Uh, what, which well, one is, is this? This is actually a uh, 2004 Alaskan uh, brewing uh, smoke porter. Oh, it's not yours? No. It's Damn it, because beer. I got the Band-Aid out of it. And not because I want you to be bad, yeah. but because I wanted to talk about what you could have told us went wrong. Did you get well, the Band-Aid out of it? Well, there's a lot of phenols in it. Okay. And, and there's a lot of smoke in it. Okay. And uh, that brew, uh, batch with uh, the roast can kind of give you different phenols, and that's the way it's supposed to taste. I mean, really? it's actually... There's no contamination is, there? I think this is one of the most award-winning beers ever. Really? And you don't, but you, you've had it for a while too. Yeah. You've aged it. Um, it's so. getting a, a, a touch more sour. Okay. As it goes, but, uh, still, still pretty darn good and, and real smoky. Okay. The Roush Mall in this? Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, what they do is, uh, they take, uh, I think 20% of their, their Munich malt and they go to a, uh, a fish smoking plant and they smoke it with alderwood. Wow. What is alderwood? It's just this uh, yeah, type of wood. It's, yeah, wood that they have up there in brand. Alaska and uh, Alaskan brewing. And Jeff Larson, Jeff Larson is the sweetest person on the planet. Just, just a great guy. And uh, Alaskan brewing is again into just brewing the best beer possible, and you know, being good, good brewing community people. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they fit right in with what you're doing, and you know, good people. I wouldn't be surprised if Jeff would be willing to do a show with you. Oh, all right. Well, there we go. And he's then I won't awful. tell him his beer tastes like a Band-Aid. Yeah. It was uh, just me. He'd, uh, meant to. he'd be okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, what kind of speed range do you need to make a stir plate? Do you know that? Speed. speed. Yeah. The, the RPMs, if you will. Proper. Stop taking speed. Um <laughs> uh, uh, you know, go on the B3 forums and look for stir plates, okay. and, uh, there's a guy who, who he makes it. You there. know, the, uh, if you're interested, Jamel at MrMalty.com, and, and I can tell you this, the RPMs of the stir plate I use, it's someone B3 cells, and usually I, I just turn it up until I get a nice vortex in there. Okay. And th- that'll vary with the, uh, the gravity of the uh, starter and, uh, the, the volume of the starter. Okay, I want to wrap things up in the next ten minutes because then it's going to be a real three-hour show. Yeah. So, but you've done a good job, Jamil, in in pushing us to the next point with the with the last uh, uh, caller in that you you started to allude to fermentation temperature. So just before that, we discussed oxygenating and and uh, Jamil's opinion, and and I can uh, just. Uh, kind of chime in real quickly i've never oxygenated until this batch that i'm doing right now so i'll get back to you about the difference and I, not only that but i've done proper for uh, temperature control and i did oxygenation with a with an oxygen bottle down at the bottom in a, in a sanitized keep, keep stone temp steady um, all that kind of stuff yeah. um so um so we, we covered that of of you know shaking it probably isn't enough unless you're a novice and you're doing it for the first time shake that sucker up you'll be fine but as you get more advanced uh, um you know put some oxygen in there so now we're talking temp and you said to this caller just a minute ago that four degree swings are some serious it's swings huge. yeah okay mm-hmm. so what do we th- are two degree swings okay or yeah you know um ideally keep it keep it steady um i've got two degree swings going on right now right uh, yeah, and that's fine. that's fine okay you know when you're when you're aging beer yeah um wines uh you know one of the things they discover about wine is uh you know, with all the modern fermentation or uh refrigeration they were able to keep it steady at, a, at an exact temperature Mm. They realized the the wines weren't aging properly. Okay, and it's actually the swing in temperature that helps the the wines age. So, like a half a degree one way, half a degree other, and and actually then the aging process occurs. Interesting. Okay, now in fermentation you don't necessarily want that. 
Okay. Um, you know, as steady as, as you can keep it, uh, the better. And what I'll do is, uh, you know, if you if you can get yourself a used fridge or, you know, a, a temperature-controlled con- uh, conical from, like, B3 or whatever it is, you know, the more you can control that temperature, the more control you have over the fermentation process. Okay. So the things you have are sanitation. Yeah. Proper yeast pitching and yeast health yeah. and um, uh, temperature control. Okay. Now, that's what you can do to make great beer. Okay. Everything else is minor. All right. Like you're saying as far as ingredients and making the best uh, yeah, uh, you know, bill that you can make and all of that kind of stuff. That's 5%. It all, it all pales in comparison yeah. to proper yeast and proper fermentation temp in, in and la- sanitization. Yeah, in, in the latest Symergy, the quote is saying, you know, fermentation is 95%. Everything else is, is minor. Okay. Do we have a caller, Daniela? No. no, we don't have a caller. Yeah, we do now. It's raining Another again. caller. Okay. Um, so let's take mine for for example, just so we can, you know, just use something yep. out there. I, I'm using a very popular yeast. I'm using the California ale yeast. Um, I'm doing a pale ale, which is actually going to be borderline IPA. I, l- I always like to boost things up a little bit. West Coast. Yeah, exactly. Plus, I have a, I, with, with not doing a full five-gallon boil, um, I have this theory that uh, your gravities always come out less if you follow the recipe, and, and I've proven myself right time and time again. Like, for example, the recipe that John and I sort of, I brought the recipe to him, and we went over it together, and, and we assumed I'd be up 1055, 1058, 1048. Because I'm not doing a full boil and I'm adding water and different sorts of things happen and maybe other things you're, you're shaking your head too. Well, it's related to, to volume. Okay. Because you, you've put a fixed amount of sugars in there with extract. And yeah. Yeah, you're right. Actually, you're right so about it's, that. It's just volume related. Yeah. Okay. The extract does change though based on batch. Well, plus I go six shot. gallons instead of five right. because I know I'm going right. to rack off that troop. Yeah. So that's going to affect a 20% it. 20% difference. You're right. That's uh, all. You know, that's why refractometer comes comes in handy okay because then you can boil and say okay well i'm at i'm at the right amount oh it's not quite enough i'll boil 10 minutes longer and i'll be there okay so now i so i've done my batch i did a lot of things different this time i did i pitched two vials of of yeast into only a 900 milliliter starter because we i hadn't had this discussion yet fine (laughs) but uh and then anyway i've been controlling fermentation and i did oxygenate and then i've been controlling fermentation i have been at between 62 and 65 the entire time it's not really changed so actually i guess and and it's not a completely accurate thermometer so I, i can't say that it but I know it's not gone below 62. You're well, kind of guessing you know, off of ambient temperature, too. But, yes. you know, California ale yeast, um, you know, 62 is quite low for California ale yeast. It I, is. I okay. would keep it, I'd keep it between 65 and 68. And 68 even. Yeah, okay. Cause, cause, and it depends on how rapid the swing is. Mm-hmm. You know, once you get below 65, if, if that drop is pretty, pretty rapid, okay. the yeast will drop out of solution. It'll flocculate. And, okay. and it won't ferment after that until you get it hot again. Gotcha. I also, um, I should say, added the yeast nutrient to my starter, and um, so that would have been, was that the Fermade K, or the Fermade K was what I added to my... You add that to your uh, fermenter after okay. the third day. So I did Servomyces to my starter. To your boil. And then, and oh, then I, I added Fermade K on the third day of fermentation into my, into my wort. Mm-hmm. So and Fermade K is a nutrient source. For the yeast, yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not sure that Fermade K is needed. I, I, I believe okay. it's needed in meads and and uh, ciders, but uh, okay. Higher you know, alcohol. In a in, a, uh, in, in an all wort uh, 
uh, all, all malt wort. Uh-huh. Um, there's plenty of uh, amino acids and uh, okay, you know, uh, nutrients uh, 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 fan. Okay. Uh, that's needed for the ferment that, that you don't really need that. Okay. And even, even in most extract, uh, the, they've really come a long way. So I, I don't think that's an issue. Maybe not too. Okay. Well, John and I had talked about but it. I, I and I like it. I, I like a, it, it won't hurt. Okay. No. I like a nice dry, uh, I was going for a really dry finish. And, and so John and I talked about that and then said, okay, let's, he did a batch with some Fermade K and got a, a super dry, uh, uh, the type of extract you choose is going to make a, a bigger difference. Ultralight. Um, yeah, the Ultralight Alexander is very good. Um, uh, the, the, the most fermenting, lightest one is probably Brees, uh, Pilsner. Okay. Hmm. Um, that, that one will really ferment, uh, further than the, the Alexander's. But even the guy at Brees, he said before he worked at Brees that he used the Alexander's, uh, okay. Sun Country. It was very good. Um, if you want to get even drier, just put in a little bit of sugar. Okay. Instead of like extract, yeah, re, yeah, replace like a half pound or a pound of the extract with uh, just plain table sugar. Really? And uh, it'll dry right out. Why is that's that? A, that's a hundred percent fermentable. Oh, okay. Because the extract is only like seventy uh, some odd percent fermentable. Oh. All right. If you get to the breeze, that's closer to like eighty percent fermentable. Hmm. Okay. I know there's a lot of people that add honey or sugar to a beer. Yeah, they seem low honey, Honey's a hundred percent fermentable. Okay. Um. You know, and that, if you want a dry beer, that's what's, you know, uh, doesn't matter what yeast you use. All these yeasts will do 15% alcohol. It's got nothing to, you know, they're all very, very strong. Hmm. Uh, any of the yeast manufacturers will tell you that. Um, and people have all sorts of other thoughts. And, and the reason that they can't get those yeast to ferment 15% is that they're under pitching, their yeast is, you know, weakened by previous bad fermentations, things like that. Okay. All right. Well, we're we're up there, a three-hour show here, buddy. Yeah, but we're not done because I'm going to do a quick fire with the questions because I'd like to get okay. these answered. Um, so you got to cut them short. I Jamil. think I need to come back for another show. He does. Yeah, I think absolutely. We didn't even tap, like, ale temperatures. We didn't get all the way through was I'll tell you this, though. You know what I'm happy about? And I, I was thinking about it as we were going. What we've really done is, you know, aside from the beginning process of choosing your ingredients and mm-hmm. doing your boil, which we've discussed before. Sure. And, and anyone can figure that out yeah. when to add things. We've really covered this extremely important part of the brew process from most yeast important. starting to, to temperature control. Yeah. Um, how about this? Finish it off with how long are you... Uh, actually, some of these questions are going to have to do with that. Uh, you put it in your fermenter. You're controlling your temperature like we talked about. Yep. You've done everything else. How long are you leaving it in that fermenter? Uh, Ales. You know, Danielle and I were talking about uh, you know how long to leave something in. And... Uh, when I first started out, this is a little bit longer, but when I first started out, people told me, okay, after one week, you move this to a secondary fermenter and you leave all your yeast and true behind and then it conditions in there and then you move it to your keg and all that. Yeah. That was nonsense. That ended up, you end up leaving behind diacetyl, acetylaldehyde, a lot of other, uh, fermentation byproducts. Okay. If you leave your beer on the initial yeast, yeah. it will clean all that up. The yeast will. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, it, it ferments the sugars first, and it, it cleans up all those those byproducts. Okay. So what you want to do is not rush the process. You know, give it at least on a on your average ale at least ten days, you know, fourteen primary. days, no problem. Just keep it at fermentation temperature. It's good for a month. It's you're not gonna you know the whole story of autolysis or. Um, 
you know, uh, it clearing somehow quicker, you know, that's nonsense. You know, do, do an experiment. Do them side by side. You will see there is no difference. That's not doing anything. That's something that came up in home brewing and it's just nonsense. Okay. Um, you know, just, just keep doing that fermenter. Give it 14 days. You're not going to hurt anything. Take your time. Let it, let the yeast finish. Then go ahead and put it in your keg or your bottle. Okay. All right, good. Because that was a question was that you don't secondary, so they wanted to know about your primary. I know it's crazy, and I know it's you know you know. I'm gonna follow it with this batch is round. Yeah, let's do it. I like that. I like that. And Columbus wasn't first either. No. Um, okay. How about this? Since you don't secondary, should we use hop bags? Uh, for you know you you, you can. I don't. Me uh, neither. Uh, you know, when I dry hop, which is not that often, hmm. um, you know, I just throw them into the keg, pellets into the keg. What about boil, though? I think that's an important question oh, for uh, boil. You know, I, I tried it a few times. It's a big mess and it's a big hassle. Yeah. You know, I don't care if some hop bits get in the fermenter, especially on an ale. On a lager, I care, but on an ale, who cares? I get all my hop bits, though. Is that okay? That's fine. It's right. going to be hoppier. Okay. That's all. Here's why. I started out using hop bags, because that's what the little guide says. Yeah, it's but like I then read about, pain. I read about <laughs> hop. It is a pain. Yeah. I burnt my fingers doing it. It's but I also read about hop man. utilization, and you need that stuff to turn right. in the boil to really yeah, get it out. Yeah, you're not, you're not getting as much hop utilization. You have to adjust for that. Yeah. I mean, it's pennies, but, you know. So go ahead and just chuck it in there. Yeah, exactly. And then and then overfill your 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 fermenter a bit, right? Like, like yeah, instead yeah, of five, right. do, if, do if, six. If you're gonna rack it, especially on loggers, I don't bother on ales. I really don't. You don't. I, I don't think trube and hop bits and all that make a make a bit of difference in ales. Well, right? well but it either does, way, it's even if you're not doing a secondary, character. you are racking because you're eventually putting it into a keg. You're yes. not. You're trying to leave the trube behind when you go to a keg, yes. right? Yes. Okay. So if you if you got a good, you know, two three inches of trube, which uh-huh. is which is really possible if you don't use hop bags if you, you let it sit for a couple of weeks that compacts down it'll shorten good. down okay yeah. uh, so then maybe five and a half gallons so that you still yeah. what i mean is you still want i do, five, I do gallons. five and a half gallons five and a half okay and i fill every carboy or every keg to the very top right and to i top. leave some behind okay it, it packs down pretty good all right so i'm with you say no to hop bags Yes. Yeah. Sorry, John. No, I agree. <laughs> Sorry, I B3. I don't use hot bags. <laughs> you don't? Okay. No. Well, but you got your little plate thing. Well, I don't have anything. I don't anything. think B3 cares. If they buy hot bags, like they want you to make great beer. They're well, good guys. Yeah. I was I was dumping my kettle this particular time into the carboy and 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 all of my my trube and my hop sediment settled to the bottom of the kettle. Even yeah, though there's you, no point in me doing anything. Leave, you leave a bunch behind. I already. couldn't do it. This, that's what I'm saying. I no. couldn't leave it behind because that's there fine. was still liquid in there, and I was like, I can't. I, there's, it's liquid. It's squirt. I don't want to leave it. So I dumped the whole damn thing into my carboy. You know, if you but I don't care. If you do that versus <laughs> not doing that, yeah. I've tried it and. No difference. You know, you know, the one with all the hot bits in it is hoppier. Okay. I, I, I just like that did anyway. that not, not too long ago where one was all clear wort yeah. and one had all the hop sludge in it. About half the carboy yeah. was hop sludge. You could see bits all the way, you know. Right. And uh, the one with the hop bits was much hoppier. Okay. And the other one was not as hoppy. It was more malty. Okay. So, you know, but they were both great. So do it. Do Who it. Cares? Dump it in there and yeah. then just, yeah, oh, five and a half gallons. It's going to be great beer. Uh, here's a quick one. What do you fill your airlock with? Sanitizer, water, or vodka? I've tried all. Okay. And uh, 
you know, if I have sanitizer handy, I'll throw sanitizer in there. Okay. But uh, otherwise, I just water. Oh, really? Yeah, it doesn't matter. I always do sanitizer. You know, don't fill them up too much. Okay. If you fill them up too much, it'll pull back sometimes if Safe. it chills down. But just don't just fill it until it just barely covers the uh, the bubbler, and uh, you know you can use water. It's 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 outgoing. It's not you know no bugs are like crawling in there. It's hmm. you, you know you can skip the airlock and stuff a piece of foil over the top of your carboy if you want. Okay, it's really not not the big deal. I use airlocks though, but I got two more questions. I'm going to do. One's a real nice one that you're going to be able to finish with. And uh, one, I don't know who it's directed to. It came in earlier, and I just want to know, do you drink a lot, too? It was to Jamil. Do you drink a lot, too, and how much? Um, <laughs> That's a good question. I actually don't drink that much. You know, when, when my Keystone Light drinker buddy from down the street comes down, yeah. I tend to get, like, just totally blasted not with his keystone light though no we drink like quivering quail and Ah, arrogant bastard and you know he loves keystone light and he loves like arrogant bastard okay so go figure Uh, that's (laughs) how i knew that keystone light question it's a strong uh you know difference especially since i have my gallbladder out i'm drinking like two pints a month oh right Um, this is a uh, special event right now with you then yeah you know uh just uh, you know, uh, I, I enjoy the judging and all that, and, yeah. uh, and I enjoy tasting my beers, but I've stopped drinking as much as I did. Just, hey, I got kids, and yeah, yeah. You know, I want to set a good example and all that stuff, and I don't want to get like, a boy. DUI and all that, especially like today. I'm like, okay, I got to sit here for a couple hours after the show, right. make sure I'm sober. Which is back. just fine by us, yeah. by the way. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, if you were John, I'd call you a sissy, but since you had your gallbladder out and you do have to drive home and you do got yeah. kids, I'm going to give you props and respect for holding Come up to my place back. and we'll, we'll get blasted. Okay. Yeah. We'll go to the <laughs> cellar and we'll, the we'll clear it out. on the planet. Do you hear that, cellar? Okay. You uh, give me the date. I'm asking for off work. Anytime. <laughs> You're going <laughs> to quit. I'm going to quit anyway. So uh, tomorrow? <laughs> Done. All right. Okay. So here's the last question for you, and then we're going to wrap things up. If you can name one thing, this was from Fancy Moo Moo Pants in the chat room. Oh, we got, oh, let's, let's, let me do that real quick. You're right, Jamil. Jamil was waving things in front of my face. I said earlier that we would do a, a, a twist on the, on the stump the brewer. So here's the deal. We're going to stump the listener today. And you have your choice. And we want to take a caller. John, you got to get out of here, you're saying? Yeah. Where do you got to go? Seven minutes, ten minutes. Come on, you're all right, buddy. You're going to lose that girl. She's fine. <laughs> John, John. She's going to be angry, huh? No. She <laughs> what? <laughs> I can't? Yeah. Why is that? you got to stay. All right. All right, here we go. So what we're going to do, instead of the regular Stump the Brewer, we're going to twist it around and we're going to play Stump the Listener. Except that we're, we'll, we'll give you an, a choice. We want to take a caller. Oh, excuse me. Um, 888-401-BEER. So start dialing. You're going to have your choice. You can either answer the question yourself or you can defer it to John and see if John can answer it. I think you want to defer to John. And Jamil is the one who brought the questions in today. Not to avoid your stumping him because I think everybody knows he, he, he competed quite well last time. But I thought that, he, that it would be quite fun and, and so he brought in some, some questions. So we want to ask you this week. And if either you get the right answer or John gets the right answer, you get the prize. And we got two things left to give away. We got, he brought in, uh, Jamil brought in a, a, a Sierra Nevada shirt and 
and a, a calculator. What's the calculator exactly? Uh, it's John Palmer's brewing calculator. It's really cool. It, it, it'll help you with your hops and... Uh, uh, gravity and stuff like that. It's it's really great. John Palmer's a great guy too. So it is cool, and you can you can dial it right into everything you're doing. It's yeah. a really it's like quick a slide reference rule. slide yeah. rule. So it's going to help you out a ton. So a great prize eight 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 four zero one beer. We want to call her. We're going to play stump the listener this week. Or Stump John. The phone's ringing right now, so we'll do that. Uh, as the phone's being answered, Jamil, I want you to ponder this question so you can give us a proper answer, because this is how we're going to end the show. Um, if you can name one thing that you changed in your brewing process that really changed the quality of your beer, tell us that one thing. So think about that as we do this, this Stump the Listener, and uh, and we'll get that answer to, to close the show. We got a caller here, Daniela? Yes. All right, let me get him on. Uh, you hung up on them, probably. Oh. Are you there? I am here. Who are we talking to? This is Gupja. Gupja? <laughs> Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Matt. All right, Matt. Uh, which which question do you want John to answer? Because John's for you, John's going to do uh, either a style question or a brewery question. A brewery or brewing question? Did you brewery. Style? Doesn't or, matter, Matt. Bring it on. Brewery. <laughs> yeah. It was a style question or a brewery question. I'll take uh, the brewery question. All right. So, uh, John, what brewery includes a gargoyle in their logo? Oh, that's so Stone easy. Brewing. Stone Brewing. All uh, right, John. There you go. So, uh, you want the brewing calculator or the T-shirt? What's so Sierra the Nevada. Sierra Nevada. Uh, uh, you know what? Pale Out Porter Stout T-shirt. I'll take the uh, brewing calculator. The calculator. Yeah. You don't have one already, do you? You can pick that no. up at the shop. You don't. Okay. Yeah, we're not shipping it to you, man. <laughs> I can pick it up at the shop? Yeah. <laughs> yep. right. How are you, buddy? I'm good. You? I'm actually, doing all right. Actually, I'm sick today. You are? You sound yeah, sick. I, I, I picked up a cold or something, but... Uh, oh. oh, so it's not mental? Or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that goes without saying. Yeah, right, right. Hey, you know what? You guys, you might as well just admit this is a three-hour show. <laughs> yeah. When's the last time you've gone less than three hours? I know you're right. You're right. We uh, try so hard, but it just it ends up. There's so many questions to get to, and, and I can't shut up. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right, Matt. We're gonna start posting it that way. It's a three-hour show. Right. You know what's weird is that in the mornings on Sunday. I mean, I spend the entire day Sunday. This isn't a three-hour thing for me. I'm here all day working on this, and I'm working on content and trying to make sure that we we can keep it action-packed. For the whole time, yeah, and I job. and I actually stress about it whether or not we have enough content. And Matt's absolutely right; it's ridiculous for me to do that because we never. I'm worried about content for a two-hour show, and we're never under three hours no, anymore. No, right. So I should probably relax a little more you on should. Sundays and just you know get there. Hey, you, you should know that some of the um, some of the chat room guys went over to uh, Beer Pal today. Oh yeah, uh, during the show, to awesome. Shit Smack them. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> oh That's man, cool. what did they do? I, I get I it was Lufa who went over there and I he says he kept getting bumped off the site so I don't know what he actually was able to do. But. We have like a whole team. Oh, boy. <laughs> hey, they're not beer pals. I'll tell you that much. They don't. They're not all about the love. It's gonna be like that's a, absolutely true. We're gonna start the first official beer war. Yeah, we don't want to do that. That's funny though, Travis. It's I'd right. like to meet the owner. <laughs> he was a nice guy. I got a I got a message from him too. Actually, after you did, Matt. Yeah, he sent me a message, but uh, well, uh, pitching, catching, or <laughs> but you know what? He eventually ended up doing this. Is this is why I stopped trying to even uh, communicate with those people? Was yeah, uh, he had he and I had come to an arrangement where whereby we could sort of promote the show there. Oh, okay. And then after that, he went ahead and changed all my posts 
Yeah. Putting in inaccurate links to the show and yeah, you know, change the name and all that. Oh, well, you and I emailed about that, right? Yeah. But, no, I'm glad so, you're saying it. You Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I mean, if, if the owner of the site is going to, you know, pull that kind of crap, then, yeah. you know. So he doesn't like beer then. It's all bad. It wasn't nice. He's absolutely, here's what he did. He left the posts as they were, but every time that uh, Matt mentioned thebrewingnetwork.com, he he substituted that with ad adlink.com or adware.com. So that if you clicked on it, you went to like a total spyware adware uh, site, which was about know, the worst thing you could have done to the thing. The heck with those guys. Exactly. Just, like you know, really what you could. So we ended up going back and saying, Hey, please just delete all our posts. Just take them all off. Yeah. We don't want them anything. Like yeah, just, uh, he, he was very amicable in his email to me and to Matt, and then he went and he put in those ad link things instead of brewing, like like kind of to say, hey, here's an advertisement, and there's totally ads and ads, ads, ads. Like that's my, we might as well have changed all the words wait, 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 to add. One of these wait, guys, wait, you know, beer, beer pal owner. You're depriving the rest of the yeah. beer industry from uh, free yeah, information. Doesn't care. Yeah, 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 it you know doesn't care. Guys, they, they're not people. interested. They're yeah, in just. Incestuous group. That's all. They, it, they're like small, so small town. They don't want to know what's going on outside. You know? Yes, yeah. let's live in Utah. Who cares? Yeah. Well, hey, all right, guys, good the show. B three will support you. You stay strong, Matt. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll see you later. All right, bye bye. All right, so uh, he's going to get. A, we got a shirt to give away. So one more call: eight 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 four zero one beer. Jamil's got another question. And uh, if you can call in that. While we're waiting for a phone call, why don't you go ahead and answer the uh, the one thing that changed your brew process, the, Jamil? The, the biggest thing was uh, the starters. You know, focusing on fermentation, I would say. You know, that was my epiphany was, uh, you know, fermentation is everything. Okay. And, you know, my first step in realizing fermentation was everything was uh, making a starter. Okay. So do the starters. You know, make sure you're pitching plenty of healthy yeast. Right. Sanitation, uh, you know, that that's what it's all about. You know, all this focus on mash and grains and all that, who cares? You know, until you got fermentation down, don't focus on that stuff. Okay. Brew extract until you understand all the aspects of fermentation. Okay. Because then you're getting into a lot of complicated all-grain things. And, yeah, and, and, and that's focus great. On that. That's wonderful, but... But you need to know this part first. Yep. Okay. That, that'll make the difference. So there you go. The one thing that changed was doing these starters and properly utilizing your yeast. All right. Absolutely. We do have a caller in, so we can wrap it up. John, Yeah, I see you over there. You're getting all restless. Look at you. You're worried about the wrath you're going to get when you all get right. to where you got to go. Take somebody no, from the chat Look at that look on lie. his face. Come on. <laughs> uh, all right. That wasn't the caller asking a question yet. Somebody stepping up on the chat room to... Uh... We'll give you a minute or so, and then we're just going to wrap it up. How about that? Um, what I was going to mention sure. earlier, um, I'll mention it now, and then we'll talk about it next show too. Remind me, John. Okay. I got to put it in my thing. Go, go, just just go check this out. It's one of our forum members. Check out his brew truck. Uh, he's our forum member named Brew Truck Chris. Go to WilsonBrewing.com. This guy built a fifty-gallon system out of a pickup truck, a Dodge pickup truck, and he's just kind of helping facilitate like the local brew community. And he's like, hey. Anybody want to brew today? I'll drive to wherever you are, and we'll brew 50 gallons. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, which is it's just cool. So check out wilsonbrewing.com. He's one of our of our users on the forum, and I thought he was real cool. And I didn't get a chance to talk about the whole thing, so we'll do it in a couple weeks because I want to talk about it and look at the website with you listeners. It, it's, it's really cool. But he built a brew truck. 
which I think is just a great. You know, we're all building we'll gadgets and doing this. This guy built a brew truck, <laughs> so that's cool. Wilsonbrewing.com. He's one of our uh, members. We got a listener, Daniela. Okay. Uh, no, no, no. Hang up yet. Okay, there you go. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hello, it's Troy. Troy, what's happening? Where are you calling from? I'm calling from uh, the Bay Area here. All right, nice. All hey, right. we've talked to you before, right, Troy? Yeah. All yeah, right, cool. Troy Federson. All right, nice. Uh, are you ready to play the game? All right. Sure. So, what do I got to do? Well, uh, you, you want to? An- we'll do it in combination. You or John get to answer. Right. We'll let John go first because I, I just want to prove John knows quite a lot about beer and brewing and styles and okay. all that. And, all right. You know, his I'm sure I can't him. Your <laughs> Jeopardy hasn't been that great, but John's a very <laughs> sharp, very very nice guy. So that's true. All right, John is going to answer this question for you so you can win a uh, Sierra Nevada Brewing uh, T-shirt. Right. Name the four members of the bottom fermented Bach family. Ooh, John. Bottom fermented only. Eight thirty three German Bach. No, the uh, the styles. The styles. The styles. Uh, Doppelbach. Yes. Traditional Bach. Yes. There's two. Think here. John, 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 exactly. See, he understood this. Munich Hellas, the largest Bach family. Bach Bach family. family. Well, I used the Bach in my Hellas. Yes. Well, it's not a beer though. The Hellas is a Hellas. What kind of Bach is 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 a Hellas? It's a light log, light lager, or a Hellas Bach, or a Hellas Bach. Right. right. Okay. All right. So there's three. What an ice Bach count? Yeah. Yeah. What about ice Bach? There you go. There you go. That's four. Congratulations. Johnny P. Yeah. Staying alive. <laughs> under, not only is he under pressure, he's worried about how his girlfriend's going to punch him in the nose because he's late right now. No, uh, <laughs> let's hope it's a nose. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You win a shirt, buddy. Awesome. I got you one can, already, you but it's almost all worn out. Oh, sweet. There you uh, go. Now you got another one. Freshly renewed one. And we're uh, not shipping that one either. Jamil Saint <laughs> <Chef>. <laughs> All right, you know the deal. You got to go back in the chat room and talk to Danielle, and, and she'll tell you what to do. Or can go. I just pick it up at the B three store? I mean, yeah, pick works. it up. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, John will be wearing it. All right, there you go. Pick it up from B three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks for the call. All right, bye. We'll see. You. Hey, nice work, John. Thanks. All right, I'll let you guys go. Huh? Well, next time when Jamil's on, we'll talk about temperature for yeah. and ales versus lagers. And okay. Yeah, we did a we did a good job talking yeah. temperature. We just did you know we stuck to ales, so yeah. we'll go lagers next time. Yeah, How about a that? Great show. I you know. Cool. Yeah, it was or very it was uh, informative. Yeah, all information. How about that? Yeah. All right. So I thought about ending with more blues, but I just can't break away from tradition today. Oh, you love that song. You gotta do the homebrew song, right? Yes, you do. We're doing the homebrew song. I'll play blues after it. How about that? Yeah. I'll put on Daniela. God, what are you? You're not even from this country. Every show you get bitchier and bitchier. Every time you got something else to say. (laughs) Give her the microphone so that she doesn't feel so helpless. Every time it's something else. Well, you're wondering why? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> really? <laughs> Listen to you, and then you'll know. Well, I just want to say thank you to Jamil for coming by tonight and sharing his awesome wisdom about beer with us. It was yeah. really good. And I'm really happy about the chat room tonight, too. Those guys are just awesome. I love them. Cool. And there was one girl tonight in the chat room, too. Philippa. Yeah. yeah. Brewer? Yeah, Brewer herself. And she actually does have awesome answers very often. She's totally cool. And I believe she's from Australia. What's her name? Philippa. Philippa. I like that. And I love that, too. So that is great. Great, great. I'm telling you what. Uh, this, 
If there's one thing wrong with homebrew culture and beer culture in general, it's not enough women involved. Oh, yeah, it's that it's too. It, right now, it's too gendered. Yep. And uh, and 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 a lot of my like half of my of my communication studies are gender studies. I love it when when women become empowered and involved in things that are traditionally known as male gendered things because they shouldn't be. They never should be. So the more females you can get involved in anything that is a that is considered a male gender yeah, things break, break them all. The better it is, and it and and it just adds to it. It makes it a better thing. So hey, yep. you sound like a female yourself, dude. Sometimes I am yes. like a You person. are. You're a diverse girl than I am, really. It just seems rational. <laughs> <laughs> like no, that was a good statement. And for closing tonight, I just want to say that all my sympathy is with New Orleans. Thank yeah. you. And and ours, too. And again, to our users uh, who are out there and uh, Smurf or Smurfy, I'm not sure how he pronounces it, who is apparently an EMT out there. Hope we hear from him soon. I'll keep kind of doing little calls to him in the forum, and maybe he'll get a chance uh, eventually. So, yes, our hearts are out to that, and um, we're very sorry. Uh, no show next week, also. Yeah. So you guys remember that. There will be no show next week. I'll, I'll, I'll work on a greatest hits for you guys, where I'll try to splice together some, some funny stuff. You can be sure that Jamil will be on the greatest <laughs> hits cut if I, if I get that up, and, and then some other funny moment. And probably like five minutes of the drunken show. Like probably the five minutes where I get taken down by yeah, the CHP officer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, maybe cut that in there and... And a few other things. Were um, you turning the dock down on the on the pot and down? That was awesome. It had to be done. Right? You can hear him screaming in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't make me come over this desk. That's his favorite uh, thing. Uh, so there you go. No show next week, but we will be back in in full effect and stronger than ever the week after that. And that will be Twenty First Amendment. That's, that's on the show. Okay, Twenty yeah. First Amendment will be on that show. I'll update the events page so you can go look there. Um, I'll update the archives page. Last week's archive uh, has been edited, so it will be up there uh, probably by tomorrow also. And uh, this week's archive will be available the following week. So there you go. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll be back in two weeks with 21st Amendment. Jamil, we appreciate you covering for us and uh-huh. just coming in and hanging out. Oh, thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah. I, I really appreciate it. All right, yeah. cool. So, hey, good things for the Brewing Network in the future and uh, hopefully much better things for, for the people who need it in our country and, and everywhere else, too. It's the Brewing Network, our Sunday show. We'll be back. Hang in there. We'll see you later. Hey, Lila is a friend of mine and I should like a good bottle of wine. Chocolate porter, out, don't you know what I am talking about? Don't you give me that American cruise, boys, I want a real homebrew. Don't you really love it? Homebrew can't get enough of it. Homebrew, it blows my mind. I love homebrew all the time. Yeah, I think I have it. Well, I have the one right now. Give me that American truth for the one a real home brew. Home brew, don't you really?
Lord, the love of that homebrew can't get enough of it. Homebrew, it blows my mind. I love homebrew all of the time. Yeah, I think I'll have me, well, I'll have me one right now. Yeah, I think I'll have it. Well, I'm the one right now. 